the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. It's a Wednesday hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day, closer to Friday than was on Monday. And that means, did I just say it was Monday? Yeah, you did. I did. You it's did. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking over at Russ and just staring at me. <laughs> I, I tickle myself sometimes. <laughs> hey, it's Wednesday, hump day, over the hill day. We're closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and we're glad you're here with us today. I'll figure out what part of the week it is. Uh, probably no trick-or-treating tonight because I'm telling you the heavy rain is about ready to get here. They're telling us that uh, from this afternoon until tomorrow afternoon, probably about an inch and a half of rain. That's making my boys really sad. We right will now. have yeah. three devastated children yeah. at home. You know, well, they could all go out and be Aquaman or something That's if you wanted <laughs> to do true. that, you know. My uh, my my grandson is going out as Captain America, which is, as you can look behind me, tell is my favorite comic book hero. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to see him dressed up like that. And since he's not going to get to go out tonight, they're hiding candy all through the house today and letting him go through the house and find got his guys little bag and he gets to keep all the candy that he finds and of course he'll find all of sounds it sounds like you've confused that's, that's a name idea. Halloween, yeah. yeah i really want to go trick-or-treating so we can invoke the tax of the parent tax and take 33 percent <laughs> i was talking Maybe. about this the other day when i went trick-or-treating when i was young up in northwest indiana we would take pillowcases mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we would go miles away from the house as we would canvas for for uh for candy and my brother and i would get back and i don't know if you remember i don't know if your mother had them or not the big glass mixing bowls Mm -hmm. i think it had yellow green and And red and and i may might have been a blue one in there sometimes but basically yellow green and red and we would fill all of those up and seriously (laughs) we had candy all the way up until it was time the Easter Bunny to come. <laughs> we, we that's when Easter comes. You throw out the Halloween candy that's left. Yeah, over. you finally got rid of it. You had to. Now, as a parent, we're like five houses. We're done. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So, what's your fa- what's the favorite candy for your children? What do they go for? Oh, um, the little ones. It's Smarties for sure. The, Smarties. The, the, the two Those are youngest. Good. Yeah. The thirteen-year-old is more chocolate. Yeah, I think. he wants Snickers. He wants like Snickers that. or Hershey bar. Okay. Uh, in any kind of large suckers. Yeah, oh, yeah. The suckers are huge. Yeah. The yeah. sucker. See, when I was growing up, I was always going for the cellophane. It's about, I don't know, what was that, about three inches of uh, Whoppers. Remember? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh. Five of those in, and you could bite the end between the last and the next to last, and it would pop the end off, and then you just grab it. And, and then it just leaves yeah. that chocolate streak. And <laughs> yeah, now we know what it's to do with all the leftover Whoppers and no one in our house will eat. Them <laughs> just drop them here. Yeah. I'll yeah. be happy to eat We'll them. bring you some. Have a, have a home here for a while, at least. So you all are new to the Salvation Army here in uh, Little Rock. 
in New central year, Arkansas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you've been yes. in the, how long have you been with the Salvation Army? Um, we both started attending church at the Salvation Army when we were barely teenagers. I yeah. think you weren't even a teenager yet. Um, but we've been officers in the Salvation Army since 2001. Oh, wait, wait, I'm going to stop here. <laughs> she said that you weren't even a teenager yet. Does that mean that you robbed a cradle? I, he, I am a, a few months older than him. But we actually didn't know each other when we, we first started we coming didn't. to the Salvation Army. We are summer camp sweethearts, Salvation Army summer camp sweethearts. Oh, so okay. We didn't meet until until we were about 14, yeah, about 14, the ripe old age of 14, yeah. that's right. Um, so we we started coming separately a couple hours away from each other. So you went, you were 15 and he was 14. No, he was also 15. I'm just a couple <laughs> of months old. <laughs> I'm trying to get to the bottom. Right, right on my birthday, yeah. I think. You know, right around that time we started dating. And, I mean, he, he, does, he does like to remind me we're about to be 40. We're both about to be 40, but I'm going to get there slightly before he that's does. Right. And She's he likes to remind up, me of that sure yes. right. every <laughs> single day. Bone of contention in my house. <laughs> I was born in 53. My wife was born in 53, but I was born in February and she was born in November. <laughs> so she is always, as she likes to say, near a year younger than I am. Right. <laughs> I, I make sure for that three for months, that three months, three I months. remind her that I am a year younger than you're the baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes. right. Just for a short time, right. you're younger than she is. What, what, uh, I know you belong to the Salvation Army. What made you want to work within the Salvation Army? Um, well, like I said, I grew up from um, a young teenager going to church at the Salvation Army, and I went by myself, not with my family. Um, there was just a volunteer who picked me up every Sunday and Wednesday and all that. Um, so I knew about 15 or 16 that this was my calling, that I was going to serve in ministry through the Salvation Army. And then I just happened to meet this cute kid at summer camp that also felt that and so i said all right god i'll take that one (laughs) uh for me uh my family was uh down on their luck my father lost his job in november and uh, my mom was waiting on disability and uh so they had told my family it wasn't gonna be christmas and uh two days before christmas uh a savage army officer like we are and uh, a member of the community showed up at our door with some toys and how old were you at this time i was 10 10 10. i was 10 yeah and so for a 10-year-old not to have Christmas, it's pretty Big rough. deal. Yeah. And uh, they showed up with some toys and a, and a basket of food and uh, wished us Merry Christmas and uh, invited us to church. Two weeks later, they got my dad a job at the local Salvation Army shelter, um, helped him do that. And uh, so we ended up, I ended up going to church uh, in January and I walked in and uh, Captain Grady Pearson reached down and gave me a hug. And told me he loves me and so is Jesus Christ. And I listened to a man preach to me for six months. Ended up at a Salvation Army camp in, uh, in Kentucky and Tennessee, Camp Paradise Valley. And uh, on my 11th birthday, I gave my life to Christ. And uh, about the age of 15, I got my calling. And I had been seeing this hot girl for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I prayed to God, God, that's the one I want. That's the one uh-huh. I want to marry. And uh, he uh, blessed me with let me grow six inches one summer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and slim out a little bit, and then she finally had eyes for me. And uh, so we've been we've been together since we've been sixteen, and married since we've been eighteen. And uh, wow. just, we just yeah. celebrated twenty one years of marriage. Well, congratulations! Uh, last week, so yeah, yeah. We've been around for a long time. That's very very good. That's a great story, and it's a good story for every church to hear that uh, you know being in the hands and feet of Jesus has uh, repercussions in other people's lives. That's right. True. 
Yeah, no one thinks that, you know, buying a couple of toys or, you know, giving some food to a food pantry is going to make that much of a difference. Uh, but for me, it, it brought me into the church of where I get to serve at every day now. Very cool. All right, so you're in uh, Little Rock. Did you have any say in coming to Little Rock, or did you get to call from headquarters and they said, hey, we got an opening in Little Rock. Do you want to go, or is it more of a get an opening in Little Rock and we need you to go down there and, and do the work that's necessary to be done? Well, I'll tell you the, the way it normally works. First of all, you usually move in the summer, uh-huh. um, and you're you usually get a call, um, and you're appointed in the Salvation Army, and so you salute and go. Um, you usually have about eight weeks, but because of um, of the opening that needed to be filled here, we um, got a visit from our divisional commander, and we had twelve days to pack our family Whoa. of six. Um, he did. I will say though. What what I will um, really remember is before he appointed us, before he made that decision, uh, we have a seventh grader and he, you know, it's a middle of the school year move and he wanted to know first that he was going to be okay if we had to move. Um, but once that, that was decided, uh, yes, yeah. there, there was not much say so. <laughs> yeah. But that's all right because, you know, we've never really had a say on any of the places we've been appointed and we have, everyone has been home to us. We have loved everywhere we've been with the Salvation. So where have you served besides we now started, Rock? Uh, we started off in our very first church was in Houston, Texas, um, in Fifth Ward. So that was an interesting place to serve. And then Texarkana, Texas, yeah. and then uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma, and then Tulsa, Oklahoma, Mountain Home, Arkansas, and now here in Little Rock and enjoying every bit so of it. So heaven now. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, Houston had to be interesting. It was. A lot of people see that, you know, it's a real big city, but there's a lot of problems in Houston, Texas. Well, there, and yeah. I think we were, we had just turned 22. It was our first uh, Salvation Army appointment. Wow, they threw you um, in the deep end of the pool. <laughs> that's right. That's but right. I will tell you. Uh, my, my wife's five years of French didn't help her when No, uh, when it sure didn't. <laughs> didn't help me one bit. Um, but, oh my goodness, we loved it there. Yeah, we did. We, did. we loved Houston. Uh, we were there for four years. and um, But I say that about every place we've been, honestly, that I've just loved and the Salvation Army provides a lot of opportunity for for us to be really involved in our community sure. and really get to know the people of the community. And there's not been a single place that I've regretted going. Yeah, so. And when, when we go in, we want to go in there until we feel like, hey, we want to be here until we retire. So what do we, we have to do? We really unpack. Like yes, we are right. never leaving. We and so we got to figure out what do we want to do to make this our home and how can we serve our community the very best way that we can. And so we try that no matter where we're at. And it's been different. We served in huge cities like Houston and now Little Rock and Tulsa and and Mountain Home. I mean, there was 12,000 people in our town. So It's a great town, though. But absolutely. We loved it there and uh, had a a wonderful time. Yeah, and we serviced five counties there, so we were spread out pretty far, too, so... Um, but here in Little Rock, man, it, it's uh, you've got the big city and the nature all combined in one. So it's it's unique situation here. Yeah, we have a, a four-year-old. And when we first told him we were moving, it's the first time he has really known about, you know, that we move in the Salvation Army. And he um, he was crying. And why do I have to leave my friends? And then I said, but, sweetie, we have Chick-fil-A in Little Rock. I said, we have eight of them. And he was like, okay, we can go. <laughs> so priorities. <laughs> See, I, I love Mountain Home. I grew up Mountain Home quite often i love uh, the wing shack up there i love yes. anglers up there i love uh, 
the caves up there. No, it's, I, I, it it's is a, beautiful. It's a great area. Yeah, you got to try Holy Smokes Barbecue. <laughs> okay. A good friend yeah. of ours owns Holy Smokes Barbecue. And let me tell you, it's, it's right by the, the best, Salvation Army. So, you know, we yeah, eat there a lot. It's one of the lot. best, best uh, um, barbecues I've ever had. Yeah, I've done trout fishing up there yeah. and all kinds of Cotter stuff. Cotter is a great yeah. place to fish right good there. Good place. Yeah. Good yeah. place up there to go. All right, when we come back, let's talk uh, specifically the Salvation Army. There's a couple things coming up. It's getting to be that time of the year. And uh, as we as the weather gets colder, the bells start ringing. That's right. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to talk about the red buckets, and we're going to talk about the angel tree and all the rest. Everybody who's listened to my show for years knows this is the organization I give my money to because they do the real job of taking care of people. I don't, I don't worry about how my money has been spent. Uh, with the Salvation Army. So let's get a break in, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Applied Research wants you to know they're still doing their clinical research studies where they explore the safety and effectiveness of investigational drugs. they got plenty of uh, studies they're doing right now, things on diabetes, uh, acne, asthma, low testosterone, overactive bladder, kidney stones, you name it, they're doing studies on it. This is for drugs that are in the last phase of whether they're going to be marketed or not, and they have to pass these fast last tests. And then they need your help to uh, go on their website, arcarkansas.com. That's arcarkansas.com, and uh, qualify yourself to be part of one of these studies. You get compensated for it. You don't pay for any of the medical uh, exams they're going to do or any of the medicine that they may or may not get give, uh, give to you. You may take the medicine. You may take the sugar pill. You don't know which one you're going to get. But if you want to qualify for it, arcarkansas.com. They're going to ask you to fill out a form. You um, will fill out all the questions, answer for them. And if they take you in, some of these uh, studies are five years long. So you can get in and stay in it for quite some time. That's Applied Research. Again, that's ARCarkansas.com on the website. Call them, 501-954-7822. And uh, let's talk about what's going to be happening soon. And I was just quizzing my guests about how much money they have to raise because you all know, you know, if you don't raise that amount that you told me, somebody gets left off yeah uh that that amount is set in stone it's already in our budget ready to go for this year so uh it's kind of that leap of faith we're gonna go out there and say this is what the community can do and uh, we we set our income before we set our expenses when we do that right, budget right, that's right. so we're, we do. it is pl- every dollar is planned so it we is need planned it. when we when we turn in that budget to our headquarters it's zeroed out <laughs> all right well let's talk about it the, when are the red buckets coming out uh, they will start. Well, you'll start seeing your first set of buckets out November the ninth. So okay, just cool. just next week, yeah. Um, and we'll have they'll be out a, a smaller number during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as each day goes along, we, we pick up more and more spots throughout there. Our official kickoff for us is November sixteenth. Where's it going to be? Heart at? Plaza Mall at ten o'clock. And we, uh, we did this last year. We did. Yes. And y'all are participating again this year. Yeah. Right. So, we um, always will participate as long as I'm around. Yeah. So we've got um, the Angel Tree kickoff. we got uh, Tommy Norman will come out and read the children's story. 
Uh, we've got all four uh, TV stations will be out there along with Bethany from uh, The Fish. So um, it's going to be a good time. And then we'll go full-blown kettles the day after uh, Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is our national kickoff. We okay, kick off on Thanksgiving Day with Dallas Cowboys. Well, I was going to say, I was just getting ready to ask, is Jerry Jones still as sold out on this as he has been in the past yeah he is as well as his daughter his daughter um has helped us so much over the last several years with our national advisory board um they're just a great family that that do you know he is from little rock i didn't know that from this area i didn't know that from north little rock actually yeah Yeah. so rose city or He's a Razorback. He's yeah, an that's awesome, right. man. He is. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's so great. I mean, that that gives us such great national attention. Um, it lets people realize, hey, you know, we've been doing this for you know over a hundred years now. We're, we're not going to stop doing this. It's a, our biggest fundraiser of the year. Well, let's stop and talk about that. Yeah, yeah. you guys started doing the uh, red buckets a hundred years ago. Over a hundred years, just uh, over. I think yeah. it's like a hundred and two or something. Yeah. What was mm-hmm. it? Who came up with the idea, and, and why did they? Do you come know the up story? The I know the story. I, don't I know, know the, story. the story. I don't remember the officer's name, but he. Yeah. Um, it was out in San Francisco. Yeah. He was trying to raise money for a. A Thanksgiving meal? No, Christmas meal, I think it Close, was. Close, It was like a meal. Like a, like this is like an urban legend now, so we all know various versions way, of this I'm story. I'm going to tell you the true story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Captain Spaulding. We'll see. Yeah, this, is okay. true, this is the true story. The true story. So uh, his, he had to serve meal that night. He uh-huh. didn't have the money to serve it, but he knew the fishing boats were coming in. So he took a big kettle down to the fishing docks. And as the fisherman came in, he said, hey, can you put a little bit in the pot so that we can have stew for the night? Uh-huh. And so they were dropping fish in there, and he made fish too, and that's the way it happened. So he was like, hey, this worked. Went down there the next day, and the next day. And so to get some attention, he started painting it red to get some attention. And then he started painting it red, and so then he got more and more attention. Did and he so ring a bell? Uh, yes. Did he, okay. you ever seen a big captain's bell? You ring the bell. To get the we are requesting that no one drop fish in the red kettle. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no we have no to fish. count that after, and that's not great. Uh, that would be a little yeah. smelly. Yeah, that would get to you after a while. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah, so that's been going on for a long time. And then the angel tree, which is... Uh, the reason why, like I said, the reason why I'm at the army is because someone gave to the angel tree, and so. So how long has that been going on? Um, the actual angel tree, probably, um, I would say, thirty years or so. Um, it was actually started by officers from Owensboro, Kentucky, where I am from. Um, the Whites, who actually started the actual angel tree as we know it now. Um, this year in Little Rock, we have approximately 3,500 angels um, that we need to get adopted for Christmas. Over Little a thousand Rock. families. That, 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 that includes that's a lot uh, of areas. right North Little Rock. I don't even know all the Whites, areas yet Celine, since we've lived here for Lone three Oak weeks. In Pulaski County, there you go. Okay. It's worth a 3,500. Yeah. And then Celine County has its own angel tree. Baltimore's they have 150. Mm-mm. Conway's mm-hmm. in their own area. Oh, yeah, Conway has their own salvation. Okay. Yeah, they do. Right. So, hey, if you're in Conway and you're hearing this, go help them out there. Yeah, as well. absolutely. They're definitely hearing it. We're yeah. banging in there loud yeah. and clear right now. Yeah, okay. they have their own kettle program there. They have their own angel tree program there. And so uh, the knots, who are the officers there, they will definitely need that help there right. coming this year. Okay. And we hope that's, that in mind. Yeah, we hope that's something that community can really trust in is when you put money in that red kettle, no matter what city you're in, um, that money is going to go to help the people who need it the most so and they um, help anywhere in that community it. so right. you're when mm-hmm. you're dumping money into that kettle when you're getting angels from that community they're helping the area that that salvation army helps it stays right. right there so how much money are you all hoping this particular salvation army 
gathers up. Do you want how much I need to raise, or do you want how much I hope to raise? <laughs> no, how much you need to raise. What does okay. the budget line say? Yeah, then my budget line says $450,000. All right. I want everybody to keep that amount in mind. We'll have the news, and we'll come back and talk about how we're going to help them get it. You get the idea that I'm real pro-life? <laughs> I, I suspect. Yeah, I'm real pro-life. I was talking about a story. Don't worry, I'm not leaving you out. I'm getting to it later in the show because it's going to be a huge, huge deal if this happens. So anyway, let's get back and talk about what's going on again with Salvation Army here in our area because uh, they're spread out all over the United States, but they have different people in different places to be able to zero in on their specific communities. And uh, our guests today are zeroing in on... uh, uh, Little Rock and, and surroundings. And, you know, I don't think I ever asked your names because you're brand new here. <laughs> That's right. I'm Captain Jamie Spaulding. And I'm Captain Jay Spaulding. Okay. Yeah. And Captain isn't anything important. It just means we've been no. here for a long time. That's right. We've been in the Army for a while. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not, not, not quite as long as the majors. Not so. quite as long as the majors. Okay. That's right. You're a colonel. That would, you know, <laughs> Colonel Spaulding. I'm starting to think about Groucho Marx. We yeah, do have it, like 27 years until we retire, so you never, right. you never know. We it, may is, make it. it is, it is my goal. One of my, one of my goals in life to be a Kentucky Colonel. Oh, there you, you know go. About, I, I, know I, about I always wanted to be a Kentucky Colonel, and several Salvation Army officers who have served in Kentucky have become Kentucky Colonels. So that's a, really the only reason why I ever want to go back and serve in Kentucky, so I can be a Kentucky. You colonel. know that that's signed by you know the the legislators and everything. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah, to it, put on it is your a wall. prestigious thing to have and the the salvation army that i grew up at was called the louisville sanders corps and uh, colonel sanders gave the money to help build the church that i that i went to wow wow so yeah it's a, to be a kentucky colonel would be great now, <laughs> so does that mean that you'll get the special recipe oh goodness I don't gracious think no you do have a lot of family that work for the I young do, corporation and nobody knows i grew up on kfc is, is the big is the big uh, restaurant still there or did they close yes it? yeah it's still no, there, it's still yeah, there? It's still there. Yeah. it is huge it, you, you got to go there sometimes yeah. it's amazing you love it you do you like kentucky fried chicken yeah that was the okay, only way i've just never original. been to kentucky oh wait Orig- original oh, no. or crispy <laughs> The original. Thank you. Mm-hmm. My wife is I'm an extra, extra crispy, crispy girl. The <laughs> <laughs> See, I, can, I know all the ways to start arguments. Yes, right. you do. We don't yeah. need politics because right. what about crispy or original? That's exactly right. All right, so for folks that are out there, they've got businesses, they've got their own nonprofit groups, they've got churches. If they want to get involved in the Red Kettle campaign, I know that they can do some good. Yeah. They can ring the bell. How do they get a, go about doing that? Well, there's so many different ways that you can help us out during the Christmas time. Um, if you get a hold of us, uh, your, your business can actually adopt a kettle. Uh, they can do that a couple of different ways. They can sponsor a kettle. We have different packages where they can sponsor mm-hmm. a kettle. Um, they can actually take their business and work that kettle for a day. We'll have some businesses say, okay, we're going to take – this Walmart over here that's close to us and we're going to ring bells there and they let their employees leave for an hour time and go ring bells and that helps us out tremendously because when we pay a worker to go out there, we count that as part of our ministry and to help people out to get a little extra money during Christmas, but at the same time when we have a volunteer who wants to be there 
we raise almost three times the amount of money as we do when we have a paid worker. There. They get into it. That's right. They and they know people, and they let people yeah. know yeah, on they Facebook. Say, they say, hey, I'm going to be at the kettle at this time. Yeah. Come and give your donation. So that's a great thing. Um, and so they can volunteer. They can, Their businesses can adopt that. But then also they can help out with the angel tree. That's right. We love to have um, – we've had businesses call and say, you know, we do an employee party every year. None of us need another Starbucks gift card, but maybe we could adopt five angels as – our employee party instead of exchanging gifts or whatever and uh and we receive wonderful gifts that way so you can also call us and say you'd like to adopt some angels and we'll get those to you that's what we need to do hey russ we need to do this for our christmas party this year instead of doing the you know secret santa thing we should just say you know the typical twenty dollars that you spent on your friends if each of us would take 20 bucks and just drop it in the bucket, we could have the bucket at the Christmas party and give that money to the Salvation Army. What do you think? You think the rest of the crew would go along with it? I'm sure they would. And then they still want to play Secret Santa. Because <laughs> they read the guy always blame us. That he didn't like get a Starbucks card. Yeah. And we can get you yeah. a kettle, too. Yeah. 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 That's the new right. captain's coming and mess up the whole Christmas party. Let's get that to the Christmas party. No, we're all about it. We love uh, doing this stuff. And so, yeah, I think I'll bring that up to the crew next week. That'd be great. Because everybody yeah. will be back. Yeah. I got to get Lynn here. She's like my compadre in crime. Yeah. You get her here. Get her on board and get Randy on board. We'll be all right. Yeah, it sounds good. I Not too many more. Oh, yeah, yeah, it'll be. Nice. I mean, when we bring out those angels and you see that, you know, that seven-year-old boy who's asking for a, a toy that would just make his Christmas. Listen, I, I have a trouble when I had to start hanging angels on angel on angel trees. It's like, oh, do I want this one or do I want that one? Do I want no, this yeah, one? Because you so, read. You, I mean, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, you can't help but read some of the stories that are on there. Are, are we going to do this year uh, for my show? You guys going to give me a list of of uh, angels, and I can start reading them on the air, and people can start. Absolutely, we're going to do yeah. a little bit different. <laughs> you you already know what we're doing. Well, I know a little bit about what we're going to do. <laughs> going to talk to Michelle over there about what all we're going to do. Okay, but bottom line is we're we're going to give people an opportunity to adopt right here across my my show. And across Facebook. That's right. That's right. Yes. I expect you to take part in this, too. I got to kind of remember all do the you, other Who people. do you think would adopt more, your radio listeners or your Facebook listeners? Boy, that's a good question. We should do a poll. Yeah. Mm. We, should do a, we should do a contest. Yeah. Maybe I'll have a... No, that'd be for kids. So you have a pizza, a pizza contest. <laughs> oh, we just had a pizza party. Yeah. We, we just had a pizza party at the office today. We did. Yeah, we did have a pizza party at the I have a Marco's pizza party. That would be a lie. I love Marco's pizza. Give me some of those Cinnabon things that they do. And so oh. that's good stuff. We yeah, that. Yeah. I'm sorry to Cinnabon. I just used your trademark. Uh, <laughs> and I used it in a way that I shouldn't have. But the bottom line is they... They get those cine squares or whatever they got, and they're really good. Cine sticks or something. Yeah, yeah. if yeah. you ask real nice, and uh, you go to the same one all the time to get your pizza, you can usually say, "Hey, can I have a a couple of extra of the plastic things with the topping?" No, usually throw it in for you. Oh, the good, uh, the good gooey stuff. Yeah, well, now yeah. you've given that secret that. away to all your listeners. They're going to have to put a cap on that. I'm known, <laughs> I'm known for sharing on, on this show. I, I, I share. Okay, we got about 15 minutes left. We can come back and talk further 
I'm going to run all through. I'll, I'll talk to the captain here in a moment, or captains, plural, both of That's them. Right. I will yes. talk to them. And uh, the Spaldings, and, and we'll discuss, you know, how you can best get involved in this. And they'll share all those secrets with you, uh, you know, when we come back. Don't forget about Aero Plumbing. Uh, you want to get a hold of them, need to know where they're located at or where you can text them or email them or whatever. It's aeroplumbing.net, aeroplumbing.net. Earl specifically told me I was not supposed to give the name out over the air because he says, Dave, most of your listeners are driving in their cars. Don't be giving them our phone numbers and they're trying to write it down or in it or in, uh, into their phone. I don't want to have to live with the fact that I may have ended up causing a wreck. And I told him, everybody's texting or emailing anyway. Earl, you don't have to worry about it. But the bottom line is aeroplumbing.net, the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Now, I've been using aeroplumbing for 15 years, ever since I moved out to Cabot and bought our house out there. Uh, we've always turned to aero plumbing and any problems. Typically, it's always a problem with my pool. I got an above-ground pool, and uh, I got my water bill just yesterday. You're going to love this, Michelle. How high is your water bill normally? About $50. 50 bucks. That's about what mine runs, to uh-huh. be honest, which is kind of amazing to me that I've got myself, my wife, and my grandson, and my daughter, and her husband, <laughs> and one of my sons, all living under my roof. And uh, we're right around the $55 mark. But we filled up the pool. Mm-hmm. We, we, got, we had to change the liner and stuff. Mm-hmm. We changed it. I had them change it out. And then they filled it up. My above-ground pool holds 32,000 gallons wow. of water. Wow. My water bill that came yesterday, <laughs> which is bizarre because we're talking two hundred dollars. You know, yeah, in the middle. Yeah, pretty doggone close. Hundred and ninety-three dollars. Wow, what it was. You know, my wife says you're not going to believe this, and I said, "What?" She goes, "The pool bill came in on water," and I said, "All right, right, two twenty-five." She goes, "One ninety something." I go, "We came out ahead." That's right. Yeah, <laughs> but now we got to lower it, so you got to jettison about oh, I don't know eight thousand gallons of water, and then they come out and they put these big pillows on it, and they put this topping thing on the top of it, and everything. All of that costs about two hundred bucks. Pools are like motorboats; mm-hmm. they are bottomless pits. You know, the only reason I got it for my wife and for my kids and my grandkids. I bet you I've been in that pool twice. So you're not out there oh, wow. sunbathing by the pool? No. Now he's going to do the polar bear plunge in the winter. Here's what I'm always worried about, that I'll be out there and I'll be uh, you know, getting a tan, and the C-130s will fly over, and I'll be responsible for several crashes. <laughs> and I don't I don't want I don't want to I don't want to do with that. Nah, my conscience would not let me sleep. Anyway, don't forget about the 100% satisfaction guarantee if you're not 100 percent satisfied with the service provided by aero plumbing they will refund all of your money that's aero plumbing on google or aeroplumbing.net all right we'll be back after we have a few more paid announcements all right back with you let's spend the last few minutes a lot of people think the uh, christmas tree the uh, angel tree 
the uh, the kettles, all of that is just for Christmas. Not true. Not true. Explain to the listeners, this is really important for you guys as far as making your budget every year. Yeah, as we were just talking about, and Facebook World was here and some of that, um, for us, this is our largest fundraiser of the year. This is what drives us into the spring and into the summer. Um, this not only helps us get the things done that we need to get done at Christmas, but this helps support our shelter. Uh, this helps support our feeding program. We serve breakfast every morning to the community. Um, I think you said 15,000. Yeah, we ha- um, served over 15,000 uh, individuals through our shelter. Um, we also filled over 2,500 grocery orders that are just in um, North Little Rock, Saline County, and here in Pulaski County. But we also do serve White County and Lone Oak County, too. So. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, wow. we, we think that, oh, this is just uh, Christmas time. Right. Uh, yeah, we do collect all the money at Christmas. This is the time when everybody's generous. Everybody wants to give a little extra. And let me tell you, if you want to make that big donation, this is the great time to get Absolutely. that tax write off. You know, if you want yeah. to stick it to the man, this is the time <laughs> to do that. I can help you with that. Right. I, can, I can get you that great tax write off. Um, so, this is the time to do that. And, and people are, are generous during this time. This is when everybody feels their, you know, open hearts and we're hoping for open pocketbooks and wallets too to help us help us out so that we can help others out um, you don't have to go out there and and do that work we will do that work for you um, we're set up to do that uh, that's a beautiful thing is you don't have to figure out how you're going to help out somebody else if you just donate uh, to the Savage army we've already got the plan set in place um, and and we love doing that work it's part of our ministry and you can feel a part of that as well now can somebody call up to you all and and set up a, a yearly giving kind of thing. Can you set up something with them on that? Yeah, you can set up as a yearly giving. You can be a part of our mailings where you see what we're doing all throughout the year. Say, oh, man, I really want to send kids to camp. I mean, we Camp program is huge for us. It was a big impact on both of our lives. Uh, like I said, we, I think we sent about 80 kids to camp last year. Um, maybe that's where your heart is. Yeah, I'd like to be a part of that. Let me know how you do that. We can set you up for that. We can send you out a mail or say, hey, this is what's going on. This is how that works. Uh, maybe I'd like to just have $50 a week taken out, or $50 a month taken out, and we can set that up for you. So it comes out through your credit card. You only have to worry about it. It's one of those automatic drafts just like your Netflix account is. Very cool. That's yeah. that's great that you can do that. That's That's a good thing, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we've we've got to sit down and figure out how we're going to do giving away here on the show. So we want to make sure that it works at its best that it can and get as many people as we can involved in it. Awesome. Because I think when people hear about – we read the names on the air mm-hmm. and what they're looking for, and people want to help. I really do believe that. I think people want to help. Now that's for Christmas time, uh, you know, for the angel tree. But uh, anytime you all need any help, you let me know. I mean, if there's, you know, a national emergency and you all are being asked, and with all the hurricanes we've had over, you know, in Houston and in Florida and and whatnot, South uh, Carolina, South Carolina yeah. North mm-hmm. Carolina, you know, I'm sure that you all have been stretched some to say the oh, least yeah. we have a, a friend who is a salvation army officer we have several but but one in particular that comes to my mind she's a mom of i think her daughter's 10 years 10, old yeah. and she has served eight weeks this year 
away from her family doing doing disaster, disaster relief going where um, it's not going, so nice right right yeah. and yeah. right sleeping where you don't have very luxurious accommodations um just to serve those people and and the sacrifice that her family is making for her to be able to do that but we have several um in the arkansas and oklahoma division of the salvation army who have been there for weeks and weeks um you've served Re, um, yeah, it's in been last, pretty recently. In the last um, probably eighteen months, I've served served about ten weeks. Um, and when they eight to ten weeks, and when they send you out to go, uh, we are we are required to go for a fourteen day stint. Um, and so, and a lot of times it's hey, this is where you're going to go, and then when you get there, they they tell you exactly what you're going to do, whether it's serving on a canteen or working in a warehouse or whatever it is. Um, and, and we've talked, we were talking about that earlier, how. When someone gives to our emergency disaster services, it that stays with our emergency. Yeah, right. it has to mm-hmm. go there. We can't use it for anything else other than that, which is a good thing uh, because those people really need it. But it also affects us out, affects us during Christmas. So um, even places like here uh, in Arkansas, people see the hurricanes and they see the things that are going on. Their heart bleeds for that, and it should. Um, and so they send money for that, and they think, "Well, I've already given." Um, you know, my donation to the Savage Army, or I've already given my charitable donation, no matter who, where that is. But the dollars that are given here, um, when we, when we, when we get that money here for in our red kettles or whether it's our regular donations, that stays, stays here. right here. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It helps out all of central Arkansas. And so that's what, that's what our goal is. To See, I think that's up. really great yeah. for people to know that you're helping your community, you know, when it comes to that money that you're, that you're giving. Yeah, Savage Army is international, yeah. but it stays here. Right. We're in 129 countries, but that money that we raise in Little Rock is for Little Rock or the, this this area, central Arkansas. And I hope people think about that when they – I mean, a lot of times you kind of avoid eye contact with the bell ringer because then you have to give money. But when they put that money in the kettle, I want them to think about the people who are packing those food boxes or the people who are checking people into the shelter or in those kinds of things. Like, you're doing so much more yeah, than dropping change in a bucket. talk about that a little bit because you guys need volunteers <laughs> for sure at this time of the year. Do you not? Oh, definitely we need volunteers. I mean, you're yeah. going to need – people just to pack dinners and you're going to need people to put together toys and all the other things that go along oh with yeah this. and we also will serve a community meal on thanksgiving and christmas um we know a lot of people love because homelessness come. doesn't stop on holidays that's right we no. still have that's that right. um that's something we kind of have to explain to our children when maybe mom and dad have to be taken away from our family celebrations a little bit um that you know there are people that th- this is all they get like mm-hmm. coming to the salvation army and having a turkey dinner that is there thanksgiving and um so anybody that wanted to take a couple hours and help on those days call us up at the salvation army and we'll we'll get you scheduled to volunteer all right so uh what's michelle's phone number all right we've been here for like three weeks all right so uh, the number you want to call is 501 Three seven four nine two nine six. What extension? You're going to ask for Michelle. When you ask for Michelle at extension one ten. Yes. At extension one ten. I took a guess. I did one hundred eight earlier, and it wasn't George in your office next door. I took a guess uh, at one ten. And let me tell you, she's going to tell you all the different ways you can you can help out. There there are yeah. multiple different ways, and uh, we'll find something that fits for you, fits for your family, your business. Or your church group. Or your church group. Yeah, here's right. the key. So. Maybe, sometimes it's not about money. Sometimes it's about muscle. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to toot some. I won't throw it all out there. We have a church here in Arkansas that takes one spot and they ring that spot all year long. 
25 days. 25 days. We have another church here in in Little Rock that takes over 20 spots in one day and mans every single one of them. So, I mean, there's some churches, there's some businesses that could step up and do these same type of things. Absolutely. And it's important. Just keep that in mind. It's important. That's right. And it's important that you give. Remember, it's not just for, you know, uh, Christmas gifts. It's for feeding people all year long. Yes. Guys, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having us. Do not be, you know, strangers. We won't. Come on back. Absolutely. All right. Let's take a break. We got the news. Then I'll be back with you. We'll talk about Alabama. You're going to play a crucial part, maybe, in Roe v. Wade. I'll tell you all about it when we return. All right, back with you here on Dave Ellswick's show. Got a guest coming up first that we'll be talking to here in just a moment. And then we will uh, turn our attention to something that's going on in Alabama uh, that uh, may have a huge impact here. Here uh, on uh, the whole thing about abortion. Uh, this is let me let me just give you this, and then uh, we're going to have Mr. Wolf on to talk about uh, Miss Wolf to come on and talk about uh, uh, midterm elections because there's some interesting things to talk about. You know, looks like McCaskill is losing traction in Missouri. Donley seems to be losing traction in Indiana. Uh, I got. I, I want to know. I want to know what she knows about Arizona. We'll talk about all of that in just a second. Just to let you know, you'll want to be here in the uh, second half hour because uh, the Alabama Supreme Court upheld the state's fetal homicide law in a ruling this month where one of the justices said the decision should force the U.S. Supreme Court to revisit its 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling. And I'll explain it all in the next half hour. And it's it's a huge development. And it doesn't surprise me we're not hearing anything uh, from media on this yet. But you're going to hear about it in the next half hour. But right now, let's talk about what's going on uh, as far as... Uh, midterms are at and uh, we want to uh, welcome welcome our our guest to us and uh, alexander wolf is going to join with us and uh, alexander thanks for joining us here on the dave ellswick show appreciate you being with us seems to me here in the last few weeks i have seen all races begin to really tighten up the ones that and and here's what it seems like. The Kavanaugh thing really got everybody all jazzed up. But then every night on their TV, you see these thousands of migrants making their way from, you know, Honduras, Guatemala, through Mexico, and, and are heading towards the, the borders of America. And I think Republicans and Democrats that know that this can't continue have been stunned by it and it may change have changed a lot of people's votes what say you i completely agree i think that the kavanaugh uh hearings were just a pivotal point um i think that the timing of them 
uh, was particularly advantageous to um, getting Republicans riled up because, of course, they happened after Labor Day. So this is when people traditionally tune back in, start to think about the elections. They start to see the commercials. Um, And just in time for that, we had Senate Democrats behaving badly, um, you know, completely smearing a good man's reputation, dragging him through the mud, abusing um, poor Dr. Ford in this whole political endeavor of theirs. Um, and, you know, their nonsense has continued with the election cycle, whether it's Eric Holder saying that they're going to kick Republicans or Hillary Clinton saying that we're going to be civil after we win. Um, I think that this is something that is that it's keeping the fire burning for Republicans. And it's also something that I think is signaling to independent voters that the Democratic Party might not be an alternative for them. All right. So now you have that. Now you've got all of these people who are coming to our southern border saying, you must let us in. And, you know, I just think for for most Americans, that rubs them the wrong way. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. Um, You know, I think that immigration is an issue where the Democrats just completely miscalculate the views of common sense Americans every single time. Um, And for most Americans, when you have a group of people who are threatening to breach our borders and are saying publicly on the media that they're going to come across no matter what, and they're carrying the flags of other countries, that's an invasion. Yeah, it is. (laughs) That's something to be concerned about. And that's a really easy thing for most people to understand. Um, and so I think that the Democrats, they are running away from this issue. As fast as these caravan, uh, these caravanners are marching, <laughs> the Democrats are running twice as fast away from it because they don't want to talk about this. This is the last thing they want to be talking about on the campaign trail because they know that this is something that even independent voters who, you know, of course, in a midterm cycle may not always be happy with the, with the party in power in the White House that this is something that makes them stop and say, wait a second, the Democrats are way too extreme on this issue for me. Well, what's interesting, an article came out today, and, you know, we have been called anti-immigration, we have been called uh, racist, we've been called, well, you know, you know all the names that the left hurls at us about this, and came up that over the last two years, uh, the amount of people who have come to this country legally has gotten uh, larger a lot larger well over the million and a half mark which means we haven't closed our our borders off to uh, legal immigration we're just wanting to shut down the border to this kind of illegal immigration right and i think that that's a normal position for people to have which is that you know we're not a country if we don't have borders that's correct (laughs) that's just that's a very common sense position to have. Um, that's not a that's not um, a mean spirited position. That is a very practical position. And so we can have debates about, you know, about immigration reform. We could have debates about about how many immigrants to let in, what the process is. Certainly, the process can be appro- can be improved in, in terms of letting. Uh, immigrants come into the country legally um, so that we prevent all of the illegal immigration. So all of those things, and including border security and that too, those are all things that are reasonably open to interpretation. What is not open for interpretation is, is the fact that we must have a border that we 
that we um, that we protect and that we we maintain. I mean that that is just what we do as a country. That that makes us a nation state. Does <laughs> it does it does it surprise you that the Democrats continue to seem to be so strong going in this midterms? I mean, I know all the historical, you know. Uh, facts to back up that whoever's in office in the White House is going to, you know, his party or her party is going to lose seats and things of that nature. However, when it comes to the things that are being talked about now here in our country, it seems to me the the, the Democrats are on the wrong side of history. Well, look, I think that you can look at the 2018 elections in a couple different ways. Um, You can look at it from the conventional perspective, which is that in a midterm election following, um, you know, uh, an election where one party takes the White House, that it's typically true that that party loses, um, you know, seats in the, in, in the Senate and the House um, two years after that. Uh, that. That's just kind of the way the pendulum has swung back and forth uh, from year to year. However, I think that you could also look at it from the perspective of 2016, and particularly President Trump uh, was a, it was decidedly an unconventional candidate, and it was an unconventional race. So it may not be true that the 2018 midterms following that 2016 election will, will follow the conventional wisdom. Um, and in fact, we're already seeing signs that it's going to defy what, what normally happens in that the, the Republicans are poised to maybe pick up some Senate seats. Um, now, of course, the, the Democrats had a tough Senate map to defend this time around, but I think that uh, when we had been speaking about this blue wave and this massive tsunami coming towards us uh, earlier in the cycle, the thought was is that the Republicans maybe could hang on to the, onto the Senate by a thread. Uh, now it's looking like we might be able to expand into some places, and it looks like some places like Nevada, where the Democrats had counted on that being a Senate race uh, from a, a Clinton state, uh, where we have a Republican senator is what, you know, where we could flip that race back to a Democrat. Um, you know, that's not looking as likely right now. So, um, you know, I think that there's plenty of chances to defy history. I think that if you look at the generic ballot, um, you've seen that number closing, but more importantly, you've seen the battleground number closing. Um, so in these tight house districts and uh, suburban areas across the country, you're really starting to see, um, a lot of you know, a lot of tightening in those races, um, which makes it very difficult to predict how things might shake out on election night. Yeah, I still think, and maybe I'm wrong, and uh, it's possible, not likely, but <laughs> but possible. I've been predicting that we'd hold the House and the Senate. In fact, we would gain in the Senate uh, this election cycle. I still believe. Uh, we hold the House. Uh, let's talk about the Senate first. I think we'll pick up Indiana. I think we're going to pick up Missouri. I think that we're going to pick up North Dakota. West Virginia, that one, I don't know. I think that's a toss-up. I think we may pick up Montana still. Any tester may go down. Uh, those are just some of my, my thoughts. I mean, out in Arizona, that's kind of a toss-up, it seems like. Although I don't know why. I mean, you got a you got a great fighter pilot. You have a patriot. You have a woman who who really is a quintessential great uh, candidate going up against a leftist Marxist idiot. 
I don't understand why she's gaining so much so much uh, behind her as much as people have now learned about her. And uh, and then up in Nevada, I don't know how that's going to go either. A whole lot of people that are probably illegal that probably will be voting in Nevada. So, you know, you tell me which 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 uh, which states do you think we'll pick up? Do you think we can we can uh, get McCaskill in, in Missouri? It looks like she's losing her hold out there. Well, so the first three states that you identified, Missouri, Indiana and North Dakota, these are all states that were highly susceptible to the senator's conduct during the Kavanaugh hearings. And, um, you know, the fact that Heidi Heitkamp came out and said she wasn't going to support him and, and Claire McCaskill came out and said that she was, going to su- she was not going to support him, um, we knew that those would hurt. Um, and Indiana, though, uh, you know, that race has been close. Yeah. But I think that uh, Joe Donnelly sort of made an unforced error and it's it's difficult to remember the that very uh, convoluted timeline um, during the Kavanaugh hearings. But before the FBI investigation was suggested by Senators Flake and Coons, uh, Joe Donnelly just prematurely came out and said that he was going to vote against Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. whereas most of his other colleagues, um, some of his other red state uh, colleagues waited until after that FBI investigation or waited, you know, so that they were going to wait for the FBI investigation. So it perhaps, you know, sort of gave them a little bit more cover, made it look like they were considering more. Joe Donnelly just sort of seemed to to, uh, fire off the cuff there. Um, So I think that that uh, was certainly a blow. And, and, you know, uh, he last night in his debate, he uh, he made a pretty extraordinary gaffe for, uh, you know, an experienced politician uh, when speaking about minority staffers that he has. He, he mentioned something to the effect of that he has minority staffers, but they're great. <laughs> so we're not really sure why he needed that qualifier to say that, that they were minorities, but they were great. Um, but he is being pretty... Um, pretty resoundly criticized for that this morning and rightfully so uh so i think that he's he's someone that um is is on a a downward slope um and i think there's a real chance to take out claire mccaskill uh you know she's someone who we at america rising pack have been portraying consistently as being out of touch with missouri voters um i think that her vote for the Kavanaugh, during the Kavanaugh hearings did not help her at all. Nope. Um, and, and she has not, you know, she has failed to distance herself from, uh, you know, from the people who um, she now claims are crazy Democrats uh, in some of her advertising. Did you These see are the same people that she gladly accepted money and support from? You did, know, you, so. did you see, did you see that state senator? What the, uh, she's black woman and, she called McCaskill out big time. Right. Oh, my Lord. I mean, you know, you're, McCaskill depends on St. Louis. I mean, she needs to carry the minority vote huge to make up for what she's going to lose out in the rural area. That's not going to help her cause. Well, and that's been McCaskill's perennial problem, right, is that she has this um, she, she's running in a state that the president won by double digits. So there are clearly a lot of Trump supporters out there who are looking for who are who were looking for her, I think, to do what she said she was going to do back when the president was elected in 2016. 
she said that she was going to reach across the aisle, that she was going to work with him. Um, instead, she stood against him on health care, on tax cuts, on uh, Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh. Um, so, you know, really, she hasn't done anything uh, right. that her constituents wanted her to do. Um, and so, uh, you know, she's had she. But, you know, like you said, while she has this, um, you know, Donald Trump base in the state to, to to work to sort of earn their trust. And I think she's failed to do that. She also can't do it at the expense of alienating her base. So with this recent ad that she's come out with where she identifies crazy, she, she's not one of the crazy Democrats. There are crazy Democrats, but she's not one of them. Yes. I think that that really ruffled some feathers um, from her base and the progressives in the state who said, are you talking about us? Well, she, <laughs> and, called, uh, she called out yeah. a prominent black state senator. And wow, that's taken yeah. a chance. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think that that's where you're seeing sort of that uh, that tension, um, that that friction at play there um, between the, the the base that McCaskill needs to secure in order to have a shot on election day. Um, but you know, every time she's sort of made an overture to them, whether it's through her voting record or her rhetoric, um, it just seems to it just seems to to backfire with the people who are supportive of the president and the state. I'll tell you what, Miss Wolf. I'll tell you what it tells me. She's got internal polling showing that she's slipping. I yeah. really believe that's what she's got, and she knows it's slipping through her fingers now. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I think that she is. Um, you know, look, she's going to be. Uh, should she uh, be ousted from the Senate, she's going to be well suited for retirement. She lives in one of the most expensive condos in Washington D.C. She has investments in and glitzy restaurants in D.C. where, like, the A-listers, um, uh, you know, dine. Uh, you know, she's going to she's gonna turn around and make a pretty penny as a lobbyist, so I'm not crying the blues for No, I don't. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be glad when she's gone, to be honest with you. I can't stand that woman. Let's take a, a, a break, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up. I want to take us to Arizona and Nevada and get your take on those two races. Those are pivotal races I think you could flip a coin right now. Let's talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, quickly, uh, Ms. Wolf, let me ask, Arizona, your take. Uh, yeah, so for Arizona, I mean, this is a this is a place where we're, we have an open seat for Republicans. Um, you know, Martha McSally is a great fighter pilot, um, you know, just a tremendous American. She had to go through a pretty bruising primary to get to where she is. So, of course, you know, people emerge from the primary a little bit more bloodied up than they would um, if they had no opponent um, like Kirsten Cinema. Um, but, you know, what the good thing is about, about Martha McSally and Kirsten Cinema is that there's just such a contrast in their records. Um, you know, when Martha McSally was fighting for our country, um, Kirsten Cinema was one of these Looney Tunes Iraq War protesters, if you'll remember from back yep. in the day, who were wearing costumes and, and uh saying all kinds of crazy stuff like, you know, oh, Americans should join Taliban, I think was one of the things that Kirsten Cinema mm-hmm. had said. Um, so their their records really stand in stark opposition to, to one another. And I think at the end of the day, um, Arizonans are going to be able to see past Kirsten Cinema's uh, uh, attempt to run to the middle um, and really see her for the liberal record that she has. All right. I'm out of time. 
I will call Ryan back, and I'll try to get you back in the near future, and we can try to get through a few more. I still think Tester's going to lose in Montana. We'll talk about that the next time I have you on. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, and we're one, you know, less than one week away now, so it should be interesting yep. to see where we're at here in a few days. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. News is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, wanted to let you know this just breaking. The president has announced that uh, the number of active duty troops going to the border may top 15,000. That just announced uh, today. May top 15,000. All right, here's a story. I know a lot of you have not heard of yet. And I I wanted to get it out there because I want you to know it's there. As the Alabama Supreme Court upheld the state's fetal homicide law in a ruling this month, one of the justices said the decision should force the U.S. Supreme Court to revisit its 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling. Justice Tom Parker said it is a, quote, logical fallacy, unquote, for the government to consider a fetus a life for the purposes of a murder conviction, but not when it comes to a woman deciding to end her pregnancy. Now, I want to just read that much, and then I'm going to pick up in a moment, but I want to take you back a few years. It was in, during the beginning of... Uh, George W. Bush's presidency and uh, Scott Peterson was found guilty of killing his wife and her unborn child. Do you remember the stories and how Planned Parenthood and other abortion rights groups fought hard to keep them, the judge, from giving the jury the uh, opportunity or the prosecution to bring the unborn child into the proceedings as an individual. Because when you say, well, he didn't take just one life, he took two lives, now you've given personhood to the unborn child. If you give personhood to the unborn child, Roe v. Wade, it's just a matter of time before it falls to pieces. So, even lawyers within the pro-life community were conflicted on whether that is the kind of challenge the high court would or even should take up But they said the dissonance between abortion jurisprudence and other areas of law where a fetus is granted many of the attributes of personhood is now becoming tenuous. I can't believe there's lawyers out there that think this is a bad thing to do. Now we got to get in and the the argument, the legal argument becomes one of uh, science and philosophy. If you have given personhood, the attributes of personhood, to an unborn child, that if a murderer 
kills a woman while she's carrying an unborn child and kills the unborn child as well and can be found guilty and get a, you know, a, a, a tougher sentence or even the death penalty like this happened in Alabama, then you have a situation with why wouldn't you take it the distance? Uh, well, why, why would you ignore this personhood argument on everything? Quote, fetal homicide laws acknowledge what science has already proven, that a unique human life begins at the very moment of fertilization. Abortion laws reject that reality. The case in Alabama involved Jesse Lyville Phillips, who was convicted of killing his wife when she was eight weeks pregnant. Eight weeks at the beginning of her pregnancy. Two months. A jury found him guilty of murder of two or more persons by one act. Using a 2006 law that defined person as including a child in uh, utero, in, in the, you know, in the womb. The court sentenced him to death. He appealed his death sentence arguing, and here's what the left says, that an unborn child is not a person with independent protections and that he therefore couldn't be convicted of a double killing. The state Supreme Court of Alabama said, no, that's not right, Jesse. They rejected his case and upheld his death sentence, citing the state's interest in protecting the life of both the born and the unborn. The born and the unborn. 38 states have laws specifically aimed against violence on pregnant women and their unborn children. Massachusetts law dates as far back as 1973, the year of the Roe v. Wade decision. Indiana is the most recent. Its law was enacted just this year. Like other states, Alabama's 2006 law specifically carves out a woman's decision to terminate her pregnancy as an exception to fetal position, uh, protections. And Justice Parker called that the Roe exception. Said Parker, quote, I urge the Supreme Court of the United States to reconsider the Roe exception and to overrule this Constitution and aberration, return the power to the states to fully protect the most vulnerable among us. Some pro-choice advocates agree that there is an inconsistency but want to go the other way by curtailing laws protecting fetuses. Advocates say the laws don't protect women against violence and can give states more avenues to intervene and interfere with women's rights. Lynn Paltrow, executive director of National Advocates for Pregnant Women, 
cited the cases of a woman who was arrested on attempted feticide charges after accidentally falling down a stairwell. A woman who served eight years in prison for a stillbirth after a positive test for illegal drugs and a woman who was arrested after losing her child following a suicide attempt, said Miss Paltrow. Quote, the real question is what manner of woman be deprived of their standing as constitutional persons, unquote. This is where the argument always, I guess, for the words that they like to use, gets sticky. Is the unborn child a constitutionally protected individual or not? Are we going to, once again, as we did with with black people, say some people are, are people and some people are not people? State laws also have served to give women more of a chance to pursue damages. In the 2012 Alabama ruling, the state Supreme Court said an injured woman could pursue a wrongful death claim for her unborn child. In that case, Justice Parker again said those sorts of state decisions challenged the underpinnings of Roe v. Wade. In a 2013 case, he wrote the court's opinion allowing the state to use its chemical endangerment statute to prosecute pregnant mothers for endangering their fetuses through drug use. He also wrote a separate opinion to chide chide Roe again. In his latest opinion this month, Justice Parker pointed to other cases in which judges have found the unborn can be parties to estate settlements and disputes over trusts, and in which courts have appointed legal guardians for the fetuses to represent their interests in those cases. At least 23 of the more than 30 states that have the death penalty uh, prohibit pregnant women from being put to death, suspending their sentences until the child is born. Just Parker argued in 2013, today the only major area in which unborn children are denied legal protection is abortion. And that denial is only because of the dictates of Roe. There is another exception, though. A judge in Arizona ruled that a fetus did not count as a person for a pregnant woman to use the HOV lane in 2006. A police sergeant told reporters at the time that if the judge had ruled the other way, police officers would need to carry pregnancy tests with their guns and radios. Justice Parker's pleading notwithstanding, some pro-life advocates say filing fetal homicide cases isn't the best way to force the National High Court to revisit Roe. Clark Forsythe, senior counsel for Americans United for Life, said the justices have faced cases similar to Phillips' argument since the 1990s. Go back to the Peterson thing. They have uniformly refused to touch on these issues in the past. So what? Seems to me there's a there's a good argument here that an unborn child has personhood. 
like I said, we'll have to make up our minds. Is an unborn child a person or is the, or, or are they not? Just like we had to decide is a person who is black and a slave a person or are they not? It's Dave Ellswick Show. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We've got more to talk about when we get back here on the show. Uh, let me remind you that Holland Bottom Farms, after today, will be closed for the season. They still have a few pumpkins, a few mums, corn stalks, and straw if you need it. But uh, no more uh, farm to your table right now. You have to wait until the, to the uh, springtime now. Let the let the fields stay, uh, you know, quiet. Let them recover. They'll be ready to be planted again. And Holland Bottom Farm will be ready to serve you on Highway 321 in Cabot. Man, I ate my share of stuff from them. Watermelons, cantaloupes, strawberries, cucumbers. I used them more this year than I have ever used them. And uh, I just got to tell you, I love Holland Bottom Farm. So we'll let uh, the workers rest. We'll let the owners rest. And we'll let the fields rest until the springtime. And then it's back to work. And uh, put the produce and put the vegetables and put the strawberries and the watermelons, cantaloupes all out there again so we can buy them. That's Holland Bottom Farm out in Cabot on Highway 321. Closed at the end of business today until springtime. Uncle Sam is licking his chops right now. He can't wait for you to retire because he could tax you at every turn, including taxes on your IRA and 401k, taxes on your Social Security benefits, and taxes on your investment income. It can be a field day for the government unless you take steps to defend yourself now. And you're invited to a special one-time screening of the documentary film, The Power of Zero. The tax train is coming, which is showing Thursday, November 29th at UA Breckenridge Theater right here in Little Rock. It's hosted by David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show. You hear him here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, every Saturday, 10 a.m., 3 p.m. Now, this special event is free, but it's limited to just 90 people. So call to reserve your free ticket now at 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. 501-653-6690. And David's going to be on the show here in uh, just a little while in the 5 o'clock hour. He'll join us, and we'll be talking to him about Social Security and retirement and a whole lot of different things. And if you have questions about that, I suggest that you give him a call and talk to him while he's on the air here on the Dave Ellswick Show. The phone number, 501-823-0965. Knows a lot of stuff that uh, you can really uh, learn uh, from him about that particular subject. And I've, I've got to talk to some people specifically about uh, my own situation. All right, so Reuters put out a uh, story here just a few moments ago. 
U.S. President Donald Trump said today the United States could send as many as 15,000 military troops to the border with Mexico as he hardens his stance against a uh, caravan of migrants fleeing violence and poverty in Central America. The Pentagon has said it has identified uh, 7,000 active duty troops, including another 2,000 on standby uh, that could be deployed to the southern border, but that could go up. So uh, the president is making it clear, you know, making it a a clear decision that um, these folks have got to be kept from coming in to uh, our country. So we're going to keep our eye on that, see what's going on. And uh, in the next hour, I'm going to talk about uh, birthright citizenship. I've always said that I believed from my reading of the Constitution and uh, the authors that I have read that uh, the way that they have been doing, uh, you know, that uh, an illegal comes across our borders and has a child, that child is uh, immediately given, uh, you know, citizenship is wrong. And more and more people have been speaking out about this. It's been a move in the last 60, 70 years. Um, and it was stronger. Up, uh, they've, they've held this, this whole birthright citizenship thing for about, uh, you know, 100 years. You take the people who have been standing kind of against it and now really against it, that's been going on for about 60 years. So for a, a small sliver... 40 years, they were saying that this has been all uh, taken care of, and the, and the Democrats, for the most part, here recently have really hardened their stance on this. Well, it wasn't too long ago, 1993 to be exact, that Democrats didn't believe that way. And I'll uh, play Harry Reid for you talking about it. That's going to be in the next uh, half hour. Stick around. I'm going to play that in next half hour. Chris Kobach uh, is going to be with us. I got some information with him. Uh, We'll play that in the next half hour. Uh, He's Secretary of State out of Kansas and has been drafting up uh, a lot of this information for the president uh, in the last few months. And uh, Tucker Carlson went after Paul Ryan uh, about ending birthright citizenship as well. Uh, last thing dealing with um, how long is cut number uh, uh, four there, Russ? Do we have time to force it in here? We don't. All right, so we'll get we'll get Varney in next hour as well. Got a lot of stuff to um, to talk about here. We got a lot of things still to talk about uh, on the Dave Ellswick show, and don't forget uh, David Lucas is coming up here in uh, the last hour of the show. Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics, finishing up over on 12th Street. That's your first location. Uh, They've been uh, demoing it, and they've been adding on to it, and they're making it a state-of-the-art facility with the latest technology in prosthetics and orthotics. Uh, The 12th Street location opened up in the uh, mid-'80s. It was a house built in the late 1800s, and then Gary Horton 
and uh, his crew at that time moved in and started Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics, and now they're wanting to have a uh, setup that is just right at the top uh, in the state-of-the-art facility. New gate room, large new waiting room uh, for women who have lost their breasts because of breast cancer, a fitting room for you for prosthetics, just absolutely fantastic what they're doing over there. Uh, it's all because Horton's prides itself on you, their patients, and our, your relationships uh, with Horton's. Keeping you happy is their priority, and Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics wants to give you a lifetime of support. So they now have six locations, Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant-Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy, and they may add on to them here in the near future. News is coming up next. Let's get caught up on that. And when we come back, let's talk about birthright citizenship on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's move into the 4 o'clock hour here at the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, Joe and Duck are not here today. They are both out basking in the sun of Las Vegas. They left today. They should be there by now and should be uh, enjoying the warmth and the wonderful uh, sun and I'm sure food later on this evening and uh, maybe a, a show or two. They're out there with Bumper to Bumper doing their thing. Bumper to Bumper is uh, having a large uh, get-together for all their Bumper to Bumper stores and especially for their technicians and the owners of their Bumper to Bumper certified service centers. And there's going to be classes taught. Uh, all kinds of things being discussed out there. So that's where Joe and Duck are at right now. They'll be back with us again next uh, Wednesday at 4 o'clock, and I'm sure that they'll have um, things to share with us that uh, they've learned while out in Vegas. So know that the Bumper to Bumper uh, Certified Service Center's uh, show on Saturday, the Car and Truck Doctor's, will be a best-of show. Also remember that Bumper to Bumper Auto Parts have a two-year, 24,000-mile warranty, or if bought with one of their credit cards, a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. And that's with Bumper to Bumper. They're located all over. So um, all you got to do is Google them, find the Bumper to Bumper store nearest you for the parts, or if you need uh, work done on your car, Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers. And Joe and Duck are both certified service centers. You know, Gary is for uh, the Mid-State Transmission and all the rest of them. So uh, keep them in your mind. You know, Pinnacle, everybody. All right, so I promised you we'd discuss uh, the whole deal about uh, birthright citizenship. I sent a quick... uh, email and text to Robert Steinbach uh, to see if he could make it, you know, his uh, way over here uh, to join us sometime this hour. If he uh, got my message, uh, you know, he should be able to join us for maybe a, a few minutes, which would be really, really great. I would love it if he could be part of us. But this is something that hasn't been just discussed recently. And 
at one time, this was not just a Republican issue. And, and in fact, for some Republicans, uh, it, it's not an, an issue. Um, they don't want to go there. They don't want to talk about it. For whatever reason, it's like Social Security, uh, immigration reform has gotten to be like a third rail of politics. I don't understand why we have to control our borders. It's up to Congress to do it, and they can do it. It's something that's very doable if they put their mind to it. So let me take you back to 1993. I'm going to play uh, a clip here. And for you who are watching on Facebook, I know you won't be able to hear it. We're working on getting uh, the ability to play sound to you as well, but uh, you just have to going to have to kind of hang in there with us on this. We're working on it. We just tried a new cable. Was it today we tried it or yes, yeah, today, and uh, it uh, it didn't work. So we'll we'll try again. Hopefully, in the next couple of days, we're going to figure it out. We'll get it taken care of. But I'm going to play this, and then I want you uh, out there while you're listening. Tell yourself who this is. I mean, his his voice is very identifiable. Cut number one. Illegal alien isn't enough. How about offering a reward for being an illegal immigrant? No, no sane country would do that, right? Guess again. If you break our laws by entering this country without permission and give birth to a child, we reward that child with U.S. citizenship and guarantee of full access to all public and social services this society provides. And that's a lot of services. Is it any wonder that two-thirds of the babies born at taxpayer expense at country, county-run hospitals in Los Angeles are born to illegal alien mothers? There you go. Who was that? Oh, my God. That's Harry Reid from 1993. Senator Harry Reid from 1993 talking about, in his word, insanity of granting birthright citizenship. Quote, No sane country would give illegal immigrants citizenship. But he said, his words, not mine. Now that goes all the way back to 1993. Now, uh, of course, the Democrats are now whistling a different tune as they've watched the country go red in many instances. And so they want to make sure that there's more blue votes out of there, out there to keep them in power. So now all of a sudden they're going all, you know, with birthright citizenship. Chris Cobalt, who uh, helps out the president, he's secretary of state out in Kansas. He's running for uh, governor right now. Uh, has been also helping the president on this. Uh, he was on uh, uh, Fox News yesterday. I've got a little bit of sound from that. I want to play it for you. But he talked about this, and, and here's what he said about the misimpression people have about the 14th Amendment. What about the president suggesting in an interview with Axios that he would, through executive order, end birthright citizenship as we know it? 
Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about birthright citizenship. There are many people who are under the misimpression that the 14th Amendment commands it. It doesn't. The 14th Amendment doesn't say all persons born in the United States are citizens thereof, are citizens of the United States. It says all persons born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens. And what that meant, according to the framers of the 14th Amendment in 1866, is that if you're here temporarily, if you're a uh, foreign diplomat, if you're a foreign visitor, you don't become a citizen if you have a child, or that child doesn't become a citizen. Same thing with a, a, a foreign army. Uh, if someone has a child, th that person doesn't become a citizen. And so obviously illegal aliens and temporary visitors aren't citizens of the United States by birth here, or don't have to be under the 14th Amendment. So either Congress could change it, or the way our statute's currently drafted, the president could do it through a regulation there you go okay so he talked about it uh it, it, it is not mandated in the 14th amendment that we have to give citizenship to somebody who illegally comes into our country uh just like we don't you don't you don't give it to uh, somebody uh it, that's an ambassador from another country just because they might have a child here in the United States doesn't bestow citizenship upon them or an invading army. If they would have uh, somebody they had brought, let's say they brought their wife over here, whatever, occupying uh, the, the country, of course, they wouldn't be given citizenship either. So why would an illegal immigrant be given uh, citizenship. I mean, why? First of all, the thing that you've got to come to grips with is understanding in context why the Fourteenth Amendment uh, was drafted in the first place. And it, and you can go back and and read some of it. In fact, I'll tell you what. Instead of me talking about it, because you hear me talk about this stuff all the time, uh, Tucker Carlson uh, did an opening last night dealing with birthright citizenship and let's hear what he has to say here's cut three citizenship under current interpretations of american law anyone born on our soil automatically becomes a u.s citizen context is irrelevant it doesn't matter if your parents were tourists or illegal aliens or foreign saboteurs if their plane was forced down to refuel and you emerged it doesn't matter if you were born on our property you are a citizen well, in a recent interview with Axios, President Trump suggested this is not a great deal for America. He pledged to change it with an executive order. As of tonight, it seems likely that order would abolish so-called birth tourism. That's where people travel to the United States solely for the purpose of having kids and winning citizenship, along with the many benefits that follow from that. We'll know more about it soon, and of course we'll tell you when we do know. But nobody else in Washington is waiting for details. They hate it already. The very same people who have spent decades trying to gut the Bill of Rights are now lecturing the rest of us that the idea is, brace yourself, unconstitutional. Paul Ryan, for example, he's the outgoing Speaker of the House. He announced his opposition to this immediately. The very idea, he said, is ridiculous. Listen. Well, you obviously cannot do that. Uh, you cannot end birthright citizenship with an executive order. Well, obviously, obviously. Note the phrasing. Obviously, that's what people say when they don't feel like making a rational case for their positions, usually because they can't. Is it really, quote, obvious that the Constitution requires us to give citizenship to the children of illegal aliens? 
Paul Ryan has no idea. He just doesn't want to have a conversation about it. He wants you to be quiet. In fact, as a legal matter, it is an open question. The Supreme Court has never ruled on it. But there is ample reason to believe the law does not apply to illegal immigrants or birth tourists. Birthright citizenship arises from the 14th Amendment that was passed just three years after the Civil War. And it was passed to guarantee citizenship to freed slaves. The senator who wrote the citizenship clause in the 14th Amendment, Jacob Howard of Michigan, explained the point of it on the Senate floor at the time. Quote, the amendment will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers. End quote. Again, the amendment was designed to ensure that newly freed slaves would be treated as the American citizens they were. The point was to enfranchise African Americans. The point was not to enable the rest of the world to scam our system, to abuse our generosity. Trump's proposal would get us closer to the purpose of the 14th Amendment. And for that, he is being denounced naturally as a racist. There you go. Senator Jacob Howard of Michigan drafted the 14th Amendment, said that it didn't cover people that were foreigners. What's an illegal immigrant but a foreigner that comes to the United States. And I, I love this new terminology I'm here. I'm hearing uh, they're talking about this, uh, what is it, birth tourism. I mean, this goes on all the time. It's not just a, a Mexico thing either. It's an Asian thing. Absolutely. A lot of people from Asia, a lot of people from China, even people from Canada. Everybody wants to be part of the United States of America. It's the greatest nation on earth. Of course they want to be part of our country. At least they want to come here and work here and have the opportunities to do things that this country affords to them. But do they want to meld into our country? Do they want to become you know, a, a, a positive force in this country? Or do they want to hold on to all of their you know, uh, cultural uh, pieces that they bring with them. I mean, I don't mind that you want to do Cinco de Mayo. I don't mind that they want to have, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, what's the what's the big thing that they have over at the Greek Orthodox Church? Um, uh, that, that you can go celebrate, you know, baklava and all of that. That's cool. I understand that. But you should be sold out on the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and what this country stands for and uh, embracing it. And that does not happen many, 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 too many times by the people who are coming here not to be part of the United States, not to be part of the melting part, uh, pot, not in the part of wanting to blend in with the rest of Americans, not to be taking part in the great American experience or the American experiment, but to bottom line, do nothing more than make a few more bucks. It's got to be more than that. It has absolutely got to be more than that. So I don't buy the whole thing about birthright citizenship, have not. From the moment I started studying it in high school, 
to the moments that I studied it further when I was in college, I, uh, I've questioned this. And I think more and more people are beginning to question this. And uh, perhaps this president is ready to do something about it. It's 422. Let's get a break in. We'll do that. Don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I've been checking my text today, waiting for uh, RD to send me uh, my contract to get my uh, transmission fixed. I did some uh, maneuvering of money around, and I've got the money ready to go. He's supposed to send me the contract, and we're supposed to get this underway come Wednesday of next week. So putting the con- putting the uh, transmission in so I know that I don't have to worry while I'm driving down the road that I'm going to look up in my rearview mirror one day and I'm going to see pieces <laughs> on the road because it's it's starting to do that missing thing. You know when you're driving, Russ, and all of a sudden your, your tack goes, you know, and it comes out of gear kind of. Yeah, mine's doing that now, so I want to get this fixed. So I've turned my attention over to Sonny's to let them do it. Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. They'll do it from big parts, transmissions and motors, to small parts, taillights. 982-7451 is their number. 982-7451. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, again, as I was telling you, uh, the National Weather Service has issued a tornado watch in effect until midnight tonight uh, for Faulkner, Grant, Lone Oak, Pulaski, Garland, Perry, Saline, Prairie, uh, Perry, Prairie, Saline, and White Counties. And I went through the cities for you as well. Just know that that means that uh, conditions are uh, conducive uh, for a tornado to form. This is a watch, not a warning. Keep that in mind as well. So uh, if anything changes, we'll let you know. So we, we, we've taken up birthright citizenship. Uh, we've talked about the Democrats was were all about not granting birthright citizenship as uh, as as recently as the mid nineties during the time that Clinton was uh, president. Now they don't want borders. The only reason that you can formulate of why that is is because they feel that the people who come from Central America. Uh, in that area or from uh, other areas in the world because they're, they they want to make sure they are taken care of, will vote for the Democratic Party and get the welfare system that we have here in America. Remember what Morton Friedman said, you can't have open borders and have a welfare system. That won't work. It will break your country because if you don't have borders, you don't have a country in the first place. All right. So Varney, uh, on Fox yesterday was talking about something I've talked about a lot here on the show. And that being, I keep telling you, I believe we'll keep the house and I, and I think it will be narrow, 
uh, will keep the Senate, and I think we may pick up as many as six seats in the Senate. Be, I'll be. I would be definitely the guy that would wake up on uh, the seventh of this month, and we had lost the Senate. I'd be stunned, beyond stunned. I would lose all hope in the electorate of America. And Varney talked about that. Uh, let listen. Here's what he has to say, and see if this is not what I've been telling you uh, for a long time now. This is cut number four. All right, there seems to be more winning under President Trump and his economy. U.S. consumer confidence is crushing expectations this month. Highest, it's the highest level of consumer confidence in 18 years. So will that impact the voters when they head to the poll next week? Here to weigh in, Stuart Varney, host of Varney & Company on the Fox Business Network. Stuart, yes. there are so many issues that people are considering as they run up to the midterms. You're saying this is one of the big ones. I think this is very important as we run up to the midterms. I think this historically high level of consumer confidence will have a positive impact on the election in favor of the GOP and President Trump. Look, this is an indicator of how we feel. It's not a normal economic indicator like an unemployment rate 3.7% or a growth rate 3.5%. No, this is how we feel. It's a sentiment indicator. And the truth is, when we've got this high level of confidence, we spend more, we might take another vacation. We'd probably tip a little bit more. Yeah. We might even consider buying an extra suite of furniture or whatever it is. But we're feeling positive about our financial future. Well, That's everyone what it is. wants to have more money in their pocketbook. And we always say when we're growing up, once we get to this point, I'll share the wealth. I'll be nicer to everyone. <laughs> I'll tip better. I'll let you use my beach house. You know, well, It's a very positive feeling, isn't it? When it confidence is that nicer, high, right? we feel good. Yeah. I think there's a buzz in the air. I think it's, it, it, there's a buzz which we've not seen in more than a decade. Think about it. If you're a 20-something, you don't remember really prosperous times. You don't remember walking down the street and seeing, hire, we want to hire people, signs everywhere. You don't, you've not seen that before. So there's this positive buzz, and if the economy is the baseline for voters in this election, I think it favors Mr. Trump and the GOP. There you go. And I've been saying this all along. Where is the old uh, saying? People vote their pocketbooks. I mean, uh, now that the Republicans are in control, they don't bring this up. Every time the the Democrats are in control, it's just, well, Democrats not going to lose. For goodness sakes, people vote their pocketbooks. Things are better. The economy is better. People are making more money. People can go on an extra, you know, uh, go on a family vacation and on and on and on and on. But those things for the media at least, do not, for some reason, translate to the Republican Party. And uh, that's going to translate as people go to the polls. Because it's as uh, Stuart Varney said, it's a feeling. It's not factual as far as people are saying, you know, got fact, this fact, that fact. No, they're feeling it. Because they can tip more. They can they can buy a bigger birthday present for somebody. Those are all important things when people go to the polls. And it's another one of the reasons that I'm always saying here recently that uh, we're going to see, uh, absolutely see, the, the Republicans hold on to power. People don't want to screw the pooch on this. This whole thing of, 
well, he got to get Trump under control and he had to have the American people have keep him under control, keep him under control to stop the economy from being great. I mean, he's talking about another 10% uh, tax cut for middle class uh, earners. Come on. Get real. I just got to tell you, get, get real, real about that. All right. So uh, a couple other things that I have here today to talk about that I wanted to play for you. Here's why I think a lot of people are getting tired of the Democrats. Like Kumo, you know, New York uh, governor. I got a cut by him. I want you to listen to what he... These people have literally, like lemmings together, have run off the, the, the cliff. They run off the cliff. And I got cut seven here. Listen to what Como had, had to say. His administration knows, his handlers knew that he needed those pictures today down in Pittsburgh because otherwise he'd have to miss a campaign rally or attend both of them on the same day, which was not good optics. But today was a photo op. Not to say the president shouldn't go, shouldn't show up. He's supposed to be the consoler in chief. Mm -hmm. But many people there said, hey, not right now. And if I lost someone, if I'm in grief and you called me, Chris, and you say, hey, Don, you're my boy. I love you. You know, can I come see you? And I say, hey, Chris, not right now. The family's dealing with with some issues and give us a minute here and then I'll, I'll let you know when it's when you can come over what would you say be kind of hurt that you saw me as something that would be a force for negativity <laughs> but in you your know time what i'm loss. saying you no know i do saying. know what you lost but here's my thing i'm slow to blame a president or any elected leader for doing the right thing yeah. uh those people deserve the respect of the president of the united states no no no, no. the right thing is to go yeah i'm talking about now and if you want to go and you want to be respectful of the folks, then in due time, when they are ready for you to come, you can say, I'm not going to go to, to western Pennsylvania on whatever I'm going to come to see, or, or eastern or wherever. I'm not going to go down to Georgia or Alabama, or I'll cut it short because I'll come whenever you want me to come. Not that I need to come because it needs to fit into my schedule, because I need these photographs, this, this image of me going, because it helps me with my approval rating and it also helps me with the midterms if you really are if you really are with people and you really respect them then you do things in their own time and on their watch and not on yours understood and i don't know who was telling him not to come and to come i know the rabbi from the synagogue now uh said that he was welcome I he didn't say come he said he's welcome he didn't say hey mr president that's a difference between an invitation and saying mm -hmm. surely yes you can come that's not an invitation all right did he be that as it may he was going to have the same problem no matter where when he went right. uh which is the way he talks and it's phrases he uses i mean look especially to jewish americans okay Bringing back Stalin-esque, or certainly uh, what was used by Germany during World War II as propaganda, is really disgusting and startling to them. And I don't know who told the president it was a good idea to bring those phrases back. I can't tell you how often in politics a phrase is used that you think is colloquially one way, but then you get told, it's something else. And you're like, oh, no, I never meant that. I'll never use it again. Yeah. He says nationalist. They had to tell him, no, 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 not nationalist. No, don't say that. And he does it anyway. And he doubles up on it. Enemy of the people. Don, 
That's not even code. It's not a dog whistle. It's what they said. Why would you ever bring something back like that if you don't want to own its history? Well, I feel like you're making my point. But I start. I feel like you're actually better making though, my no? point for me. Yeah, better, but better. I'm, uh, seriously, I feel like I, you're making my point, and not that he shouldn't go, but in time. And every and every every situation is not the same thing. You can't say, well, you know, this president went to that tragedy at this amount of time. This president went to. You have to weigh things. You have to weigh. Yes. You have to, and you have to read the room. Yes. You have to allow people their time because they're not. They're the ones grieving. You're not the one grieving. You can't. Tell me in my grief what I need to do and how I need to handle it. And so that, that's all I'm saying. I'm 100% on that. You yeah. make the perfect point. Yeah. Okay. And it's something that obviously played out both ways today. Yeah. There were people who were angry about it, and they did it even in a moment where everybody needed to be on the same page. Yeah. All right. So I guess I got this question because this is something that's only happened in the last 20, 25 years maybe. And that's, why does the president have to go? Why does the president have to go? Why does the president have to, why does the president have to fly over New Orleans after Katrina? They know that Katrina kicked the living tar out of New Orleans. He understood that. Same going anywhere, going to any of these things. Why does the president... What does that do? It doesn't do anything. It does not do anything. What it does show us is that as a country, uh, you know, we're weak now. And we have to have somebody show up and say, it's going to be all right. It's gonna, and it's not those people that, you know, it's not, the president can't do squat, basically. He's already put everything into motion that he can put into motion. But to... Uh, the other thing being what they were talking about, because he needed photos. He went yesterday because he wanted photos. A it's photo a photo op. op my foot. Yeah, I want a photo op. Yeah, I mean, he went and he sat down and he talked to a lady, evidently for uh, nearly an hour, uh, who lost uh, her husband. He sat down and he talked to the rabbi of uh, the synagogue, the temple there, you know, but the bigger question is, is why do we need to have the president go in the first place? And this was a damned if he did, damned if he didn't, because now, bottom line is, the president is expected to go. You're not showing that you care if you don't go. So you expect the president to to show up and say, see, I I care about you. Well, he's the president of the United States. Of course he cares. He's, he's putting all kinds of governmental agencies into motion to help take care of the people that have been displaced, people who have been hurt. So, um, you know, I that for me, is neither here nor there about the president. The whole thing about, you know, he needed a photo op. I mean, here you go. President's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. If he shows, they say that he came because he wanted a photo op. If he waits and then he comes, you know, he's uh, he's damned because he waited to come in. 
to get it exactly right. Yeah, it's just crazy. It, it, it's the most ridiculous thing that I've that that I see of America today. Uh, I wish I could think about when you know that was. Uh, I'll give you an example. Did FDR fly across the Pacific Ocean to go to Pearl Harbor to look at the the damage at Pearl Harbor? Not that I know of. You know, he was back in Washington, D.C. doing the people's business. I did. There's been countless, countless things that have happened in, in this country that the president didn't show up for. And I don't understand. You know, I'd ask President uh, Trump, other than I'm sure the people that are behind him are saying, hey, you got to go, man. Got to show him that, that you care. I don't, I mean, and how many people have to be shot for it to be a, a national tragedy? If you kill three people, is that a national tragedy? Um, I mean, if it's, uh, you know, I mean, there were two black women who were shot in the Kroger parking lot in Kentucky. Should the president fly in because it was a probably a racist crime? Should the president fly in about that one? I mean, do you understand what I'm trying to say here? Does it make any sense to you at all? I mean, the whole thing of the president has to show up just never has ever made any uh, sense to me. You know, he's got to show up and and hand out water. You know, in uh, you know during a hurricane after a hurricane or something. Well, that's what you got FEMA, and that's what you got your neighbors for, not the president of the United States. Just, we, I just think, it's, I don't just don't know when it all changed. And, you know, it's all, uh, you know, I got to, I want to feel good about my president or whatever. I would rather feel like uh, or think that, you know, he's staying in Washington, D.C. because he's got like 32 different governmental agencies that are supposed to be taking care of you, and he wants to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. David Lucas, does that make any sense to you? It does, yes. I just I don't get it. We'll come back. We'll talk about it here in a moment. David Lucas is going to be with us in the next uh, hour. He'll have a lot of great information for you. we got to get our final break this hour in. I'm late. Here it is. Our, our um, Social Security retirement guru. We're going to be talking taxes today. Okay. I don't know if I'm alive uh, or not. It affects your retirement, let me tell you. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show final hour. David Lucas will be here. David has been on my show many, many times talking about retirement, talking about taxes, talking about Social Security talking politics when he used to be a member of the power panel so used to fill in for my show at times now he's so busy he meets himself leaving the door at night so (laughs) we will talk with him when we come back here on the dave ellswick show at 101.1 fm the answer yeah well you're right about that man this is to them there you go world all right we're back we're back on the air david lucas we're back on the air he just made a very valid point 
that uh, hopefully your savior is not a politician because well, these people are on tv crying and if they don't get their outcome from the hillary yeah. and i was just saying thank i'm glad that my savior i might don't put my hope in humans yeah so. absolutely absolutely so david lucas you've got to be happy for people right now because the economy is purring along right now but it won't do that forever so uh, the time to make hay is when it's there to be bundled right Sure. And what I want to talk about today, Dave, in particular, is the topic of taxes. Taxes could likely be your largest expense in retirement. Taxes on your 401k, taxes on your IRA, taxes on your Social Security. Many of you listening right now have no idea that up to 85% of your Social Security can be subject to taxes if you're not careful and do some proactive planning. Wow. That's right. And this is something that happened under Reagan. It was signed into law. And so, again, and this many of you will find up to 85% of taxes on your Social Security unless you take specific actions to protect yourself. Now, everything I want to talk about today, and I want to talk about this upcoming documentary, The Power of Zero. Yeah, we've been talking about that yeah. for a while now. The tax train is coming. It's going to be at UA Breckenridge at Stadium 12, 630 on the 29th. So that's the weekend after Thanksgiving. So as we think about taxes, you ask people, Dave, what are, are taxes high today? What do they typically say? Oh, it's the worst. They suck. <laughs> That's right. Just a couple of questions for you, though. Can anybody tell me, you, Dave, or even a listener, as you're thinking about driving down the road or watching on Facebook? Yeah. Uh, can anybody tell me the highest tax bracket in the history of the country? Where, what is the worst it's ever been? Probably 90% for part of the country. You're, you're darn near close, Dave. It was 94%. Oh, it was over the 90. Okay, yep, I never knew right. we got over 90. That's right. You heard that right. 94%, the last two years of World War II, the highest marginal tax rate was 94% for anything you made over $200,000. Now, back then, 200000 a lot of money. Was a lot, it was approximately $3.2 million in today's dollars. Can anybody think of a politician or anybody back then that was, well, it was actually an actor who became a politician that might have made that kind of money. Yeah, Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that's right. And and he writes about, <laughs> if you read his biography, he talks about how he never made more than two movies in a year. He'd make his $200,000, then he'd go to his ranch, and you say, well, he would have kept the other 6%, but not so fast. The state of California had something to say about it. So it literally, there was no incentive to pay taxes, I mean, to continue to work. So yeah, he goes ranch. Okay, I want everybody to listen to what you're saying. If you know you're going to work, you know, you're going to speed up the treadmill a little bit so that you can make some more dollars. But in the end, you really end up just giving that money away to the, to the government. You never really put that money in your hand. Why would you work to make that money and put it in your hand just to turn around and hand it to the government? Exactly. And this is what he writes about, as I said, Ronald Reagan is a biography. Now, let's, let's fast forward to the 70s. Can anyone listening, or Dave, you can chime in, can anyone listening know what the rates were, the top rate, well, the marginal tax rates at the federal level in the 1970s? Okay, so you're talking during the time of Nixon, Ford, and That's Carter. Right. Yep. So what was the worst marginal tax rate that you could pay throughout the entire decade of the 70s? Gosh, I'm trying to think. 
I was alive then, so I'm kind of. I was too, barely. I'm thinking, I was well, born I, in '75. Hey, look, I was I graduated from high school. I was going to college, uh, but I wasn't making any money, so I probably wasn't paying any attention. I'll just say '75. Seventy. You're, oh, close. you're close, David. Now let's fast forward to this year. As of January 2018, we know last year there were the the Trump tax cuts that he pushed through. What what's the worst? For, okay, so we know what they are today. What's the top marginal rate? What is it now? Thirty seven percent. Thirty seven. Okay. Thirty seven percent. So Bill Gates doesn't pay anything higher than thirty seven percent of its earned income. Yeah. Good stuff. So I'm here, all about that. Here's my question. How does 37% stack up against some of these tax rates we've experienced in the past? Okay. What do you think? I'm, you know, I, I don't, with the, with the inflation figured in, gosh, I don't know. Can't tell you. I wouldn't. It's, it's historically very, very low. And I ask people when I do classes and different things and I ask people, how do you feel? Oh, they're worse than they've ever been. It's horrible. It's bad as they've been. But the truth is, we haven't experienced taxes this low in eighty years. Wow! Now there's something going to something to think about. Yeah, there's something that's going to happen come January first, twenty twenty six. What's going to happen January first, twenty twenty six? Oh, you're asking it's, me? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's going to yeah. go away. There's yeah. a sunset provision for individual these tax rates. They're going to go back up according to current law. Yes. Up to back up to thirty nine point six percent. So all Congress has to do is wait. In order for taxes to go back up to that rate is absolutely nothing. Now is Congress good at doing absolutely nothing? Yeah. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> oh my goodness. So okay. So here's my question for you: thirty nine point six. It's not really it may not be enough to keep some people awake at night. Well, 39%, is what tax rates were during the entire decade of the decade of the 90s. Was the stock market doing pretty well in the 90s? Yes. It was. In fact, if you put in into the S&P 500 in 1990 and you took, a, let's say, $100,000 and you took a nap and woke up nine years later, what? just take a stab at what your $100,000 would be worth if you bought all 500, like the S&P 500 index fund. You've been a hundred thousand when you put your money in. I'd mm-hmm. say probable, probably somewhere around three hundred and fifty thousand. Six hundred thousand. Wow! I didn't know it grew that much. Absolutely. That uh, that that tech it, bubble was big. Oh, you it? had the dot com bubble. You had the terrorist attacks, of course. After that, or that no, no, that's in, excuse me. The tech bubble actually happened nineteen ninety nine. That's when it kind of started deflating uh, right around early two thousand. So the real question I have for you. It's what's likely to happen to tax rates in 2026 as we move in time to 2030, 2035, and beyond. What does your gut tell you? They're going to go up, and I'm going to tell you why they're going to go up. Interest rates are starting to rise now. As interest rates rise, our payment on the debt goes up exponentially. And uh, I think I heard in a story I read, I didn't hear it, I read it, uh, that in the next three years, I believe, with just typical rising of interest rates with the way the economy is doing, we will be paying more interest on the debt than we are for national defense. It's going to, and I want to talk about that here in a minute, Dave, this magic number of $53 trillion and some other interesting, interesting. T- we really are in debt. What's everybody say? 
Well, we're in debt $21 trillion. That's 12 followed by, what, I think 10 or 12 more zeros. 21 followed by 12 more zeros. Get your mind wrapped well, around that. Well, that's a big deal. Come on. We just print up some more money. Yeah. So if one of the things that I learned at the Power of Zero, the tax train is coming, and people can learn more at taxtrainfilm.com, is that there were over 250 economists, and many of them are in this documentary, not all of them, but you've got like heavy hitters like the governor of Utah, you have several congressmen, you have the for- former Comptroller General of the United States, which I want to talk about. He's basically like the CPA of the United States. He was actually under Bush and Clinton, so he was supposedly uh, nonpartisan. So taxes, what I was saying as far as, yeah, so taxes are likely to go up in the future because of debt. And what, what I was going to say about these economists, out of the 25 Nobel Prize winning economists, 24 have signed on, plus another 200 economists have said, the way the United States does its books, it's something, look up fiscal gap accounting, is... They got two they're, sets they're of books, say, That's right. The they're saying it's absolute lunacy. Every, if we did the books like every other country in the world, guess what we would be disclosing? We're broke. Over $200 trillion in debt. So it's a real problem. Taxes are likely lower, and they're on sale, than lower than they've ever been throughout our entire life. So you parlay this into retirement. What are most people listening right now? Think about it. You think, what have you saved most of your retirement dollars? I know this because I meet with hundreds of people a year, and I can tell you what they are, most of their money is saved in are 401ks, IRAs, 403bs. You can call 457. doesn't matter. Keo plans, SEPs for self-employed. But what do they have in co- that they have in common? They're all in the stock market. Well, no, they're waiting to be taxed. Well, they could be, but not all of them. <laughs> but I mean, that's but they're waiting they made to be taxed. They're waiting to be taxed. So everybody's taking a deduction to today's historically low rates, with the promise that ta- don't worry about it. Tax rates are going to be lower when you retire. Mm-hmm. But with all these government-controlled mm-hmm. tax postponement plans, what you have to remember is the these tax postponement plans do two things: they they postpone the tax. And they postpone the tax calculation. Now, let that run by your brain real slow. They postpone the tax. Explain what you're saying. Okay. When you put in $10,000 in your 401k, if you're making $100,000 a year, the government says, don't worry about it. It will lower your tax to $90,000. You don't have to pay us tax on that $10,000. But what happens when you get ready to take out and you've got a half a million dollars, a million dollars sitting in that 401k? That's they not all want yours. Their blood. You, that's right. You have a, and you've heard of these required minimum distributions. Yeah. Okay. That's the government's way of saying we're sick and tired of you not dropping dead. We want our fair share. And I'm going to tell you what. The first time I heard about that, when I was talking about uh, you in one of my uh, times that I speak about your company, I didn't know that the government the government could force you. To take money out of your retirement accounts. And when you hit 70 and a half, think about this, Dave. When you start saving at age 20, you in a 401k. I wish I could have yeah, done that. If you start saving, <laughs> if you do, you save all the way up to 59 and a half where you get hit with a 10% penalty for accessing your own money. Mm-hmm. And then you enter this 11-year magical period where you can take as little as much as you want. And then you hit 70 and a half, and the government says, we're going to force you through the, what's called required minimum distributions to start taking out withdrawals. And if you don't, we're going to hit you with a 50% penalty tax, an excise tax, on what you shouldn't should have taken out but didn't. Now, think about that. That's on in addition to the normal tax. Are they pretty serious about getting their money at some point? Yeah. They know there's $14 trillion sitting in these qualified plans. 
So that's really what this documentary highlights is the problem that the country is facing. It's a four-letter word. I mentioned the comp- former Comptroller General of the United States. Mm-hmm. He was basically the CPA under Bush and Clinton. He took one look at the books and said, this is insanity. This is insanity. We cannot – tax rates have to double. And he actually quit. Wait. Go ahead. Say that again. Tax rates have to he, what? He says they have to double. He said we don't. Have, they don't have to double. For every year they don't double, we'll continue adding on a trillion plus a year, and we're going to hit this magical number in the not-so-distant future where we can only pay – you talked about rising interest rates. That would only accelerate the problem. We can only service the interest on the debt, yet alone Social Security, Medicare, the military. We can't continue at this pace. So this is a tax train bearing down on the American investor – in the form of higher taxes. You you familiar with uh, – you ever watch cartoons, Dave? Oh, yeah. Well, you ever remember Wally Coyote? I do remember. The Roadrunner? I remember the Acme company. Okay, Acme. <laughs> so there was one. He was building a uh, bomb, and he was on the train tracks, and he's in a shed built by? Acme. <laughs> That's right. And, of course, he sees the train coming. And what does uh, Wiley Coyote do? He looks out the window, and he slowly pulls the shade down. Of course, the bomb he's making or whatever was made by Acme. Acme. And he pulls it down to attempt to uh, to ignore or act like th- this train isn't coming. But, of course, it hits him. All the smoke him. It's a little frustrating. He never dies. Yeah. <laughs> but if you were sitting on a train and there was a train bearing down on you in the form of higher taxes, would you try to get off that ra- the I tracks? would think you would be trying uh, as fast and as hard as you could. That's exactly right. So this is a lot of what, what this documentary it, – it's really just – you're going to hear a lot of professionals – uh, that are going to be talking about people much smarter than you or I or Dave that are going to be talking about this very subject. And I, ha- I really haven't talked about this very much at all uh, to anyone. I know you've started talking about it. I've announced it uh, on my show this last weekend here on 101.1, The Answer. Uh, and this event really could benefit many of your listeners in a meaningful way. Taxes, Dave, are going to play a role in retirement. You can be focused on rates of return, and you've got a big hole in the form of taxes. You're trying to fill it up. You're, you're focusing on pennies when you could lose tens of thousands of dollars unknowingly and unnecessarily. We're not saying that anyone here shouldn't pay taxes. Let me be very clear. To show someone how to get in the 0% tax bracket in retirement, you've got to be willing to do what? You've got to be willing to do the taxes. We're only saying you want to do it strategically over the next six years before taxes start to rise significantly. Yeah, so instead of, uh, and we got to take a break here, but instead of uh, putting your money into savings tax deferred, why not use a Roth where you pay the taxes now up front? So if taxes go up when you get ready to take money from your Roth, you don't owe any taxes on it. Exactly. And I talk about this in the, an article I wrote in the Healthcare Journal, the four-letter word that will derail your retirement and how to fix it. We'll talk about that four-letter word a little bit after the break. How long do we have before we go to the break, Dave? Now. Now. <laughs> so if people, if you want to get a hold of these tickets, we do ask that you've saved at least $500,000 as a private screen at UA Breckenridge. And the reason you say, well, that's not fair. Well, I've only saved two hundred. Why can't I? Attend. We do have some tickets if you go to our website that are for sale, but we've reserved. I've snagged 10 tickets for today's show. And the reason being is those of you that save more assets, have a. you're the ones that have a true tax problem. Yeah, you're going to get bit in the butt bigger. 
Big time. Those of okay. you who have two or three hundred thousand, your standard deductions are probably going to offset most of your required minimum distributions. The number you can give it, Dave, or I'll give it five zero one six five three sixty six ninety. It's on the twenty seventh at six thirty p.m. UA Breckenridge five zero one six five three sixty six ninety. All right, that's all you got to do. Don't forget if you want a career working outdoors, serving uh, you know a great company. Using your hands, enjoying yourself because that's what you like to do, and you want a career where you can make some money. How about twenty bucks an hour? Using your hands and thriving in the outdoors. Well, PI Roofing Home Solutions expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow. What you need to do is go build a future with them. PI Roofing Home Solutions has career opportunities in commercial roofing and service. Residential Roofing in their Service Division and Home Solutions Division. So make a difference and climb your ladder of success with PI Roofing by applying at piroofing.com or calling 501-707-3551. All right, we're down to two minutes remaining here in this first half hour. And I want you to listen closely to David Lucas. I've known David now well over a decade and I can tell you this, he knows what he's talking about right now. And, and when you're hearing that taxes are going to somewhere along the line going to have to double, that should give you a lot of pause to think. Yeah. And most people I see when I ask them, Dave, are taxes going up? Yeah, oh, they're going up. But yet the, there's a disconnect between what they, where they've saved. They've got 95% of their money saved in ta- accounts waiting to be taxed. Yet they say, "Oh, yeah, I know they're going to go up in the future." So what? What this? What we're doing is really we become. Uh, I'm in the process of acquiring a tax practice too with CPAs and everything. I'm really excited about that. We'll be talking more about that. Uh, but as far as <laughs> this, taxes are likely, as I just said before the the break, will be play one of the biggest roles in retirement uh, than any other previous generation. And you may not realize this, but you've got more control over how much you pay in taxes in retirement than any other time in your life. But Dave, you've got to take specific actions to protect yourself. Otherwise, you are going to be at the mercy of Uncle Sam. All right, so here's what David is saying. Because see, I can say what he says, but I can say it better. Ah. Bottom line, (laughs) here's what I'll tell you. You can beat Uncle Sam at his own game. But yeah, you got to know what legally. you're, what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, it's on. legally. We're not asking anybody to do anything late. We're saying you got to pay the tax, that, that, but we want to show people how to get in the 0% That's right, tax bracket. Exactly. Beat him at his own game. We'll be back with more in a moment. we got to get your 60 seconds of news and then make some money ourselves here at 101.1 FM. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show, my special guest. And I'm going to tell you what, used to be I could call this guy up and he'd come over the day I called him. I can't do that anymore. I, we got to plan months ahead now because (laughs) he's always talking to you all that are in there trying to get all the information that you can from him to save yourself money that's a good thing to do i'll be honest with you of course remind the listeners they can catch me on 101.1 the answer at 10 a.m every here right here every saturday oh 10 a.m and 3 p.m that's right did i remind when we were on the air i don't know i was just saying i just said uh you know they need to come. They need to go see. You. I mean, hearing your show is one thing. Sitting in your presence is another. Been doing radio for ten years. A That's lot of amazing, it started isn't out. It? Yeah, when started out with you, Dave. We did the power panel. You mentioned filled in for your show for three or four hours, about two or three times in the years past. 
I got to yeah. tell you real quickly for the people who are watching on on Facebook, he'd come in and be doing the show, and he'd take his shirt off. I get hot, and he's sweating. Yeah, I, I'd strip down to my undershirt. <laughs> Well, at least you not as bad as Ray Lincoln. Ray Lincoln yeah. getting down to his that's BVDs. What, yeah, that's no what kidding, I heard. Uh, this infamous <laughs> Ray Lincoln be sitting in his uh, his whitey tidies. Yeah, he was. He definitely was. <laughs> he wasn't streaming though. From I, I won't. <laughs> I won't. I won't go into it. All I will just tell you is there was a a very uh, popular and and I think that she's famous because she's still working and she does a great job. But she walked into the studio one day to talk to him about a client. And he was standing there in his underwear. <laughs> yeah, it was he was a larger-than-life character. Oh, he was, he was interesting, such a wasn't great he? guy. He was sweet, such a great uh, guy. He's he, a sweet man. You're exactly right. He always did the horn at the end, right? Yeah. And then him. Yeah. <laughs> and him. And then, of course, he and I did did a day, uh, one day a week, and he'd, we'd be playing his uh, my opening to my show, and then we would you'd hear the sound of the the record, and uh, then his start. His would start. He's a good radio personality. Yeah. Yeah. We miss him. All right. Jim is in Benton. Got a question for you. Ready? Sure thing. Here we go. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? Hey, or Jim. Uh, yeah. How y'all doing, man? We're good. Yeah, What's doing, your question? Doing well. Well, I'm just curious as to some of the stuff in the programs that he's offering and when we can go and see. Uh, my only day off during the week is, you know, is Mondays. And I rarely ever hear of anything going on or programs or what have you. And I'd really like to get in to sit down. I'm 61. will be 62 my next birthday. And I need to get some stuff lined up mm-hmm. in a row. And so, I mean, yeah. I'd like to say my what I, I we typically don't I don't have appointments typically on Monday uh, that's what I call buffer day and focus days or when I'm meeting you know I'll I'll have, have fifteen to twenty appointments on Wednesday Thursday and Friday uh, but if you call our office and talk with Lindsay uh, what was your name or I'll write your name down you don't have to give the number down over there Jim Jim if you call our office or call off the air and talk with Russ and give him your information I'll have our office give you a contact. All right, Jim. If you'll hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn you over to Russ, and he'll get the information from you. Can I do one more question? Yeah, sure. go ahead. Uh, something else that's been bothering me for a while. I've been in transportation for the last fifty years, and we have to pay what's called a heavy highway use tax. It's five hundred and fifty dollars a year, and that's per truck per company. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to where that money goes. And I'm, you know, kind of doing a rough uh, estimate on it. But, you know, companies like J.B. Hunt and Schneider, they got like thousands of units. And, you know, this is crazy that we're having to pay that tax along with fuel tax and stuff. You know, and I can't get any answers from the government about that. And it's, it's through the IRS. It's not through... You know, you, you, you have to do it, like I said, per truck. And I can't imagine the amount of paperwork. Jim, I'm sure they publish where it's supposed to go, maybe or maybe not, but it goes into the big black hole. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. I really enjoy your shows. My wife, I listen to them um, all the time you know, when you're on the air. Thank well, you. I, thank I you so much. That. Appreciate you very much. Thanks a lot. You have a good one, Jim. Be careful out there. Remember, we've got tornado watch until midnight. Tonight. Oh, really?
I didn't know yeah, that. that. On oh, Thanksgiving. For my whole... No, Thanksgiving. October. Ha- 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 Halloween. Halloween. Another holiday it is. Yes. Some of you may be listening. It's actually Reformation Day. This is the 501st That's year. That's right. This is when Martin Luther, Luther nailed, nailed the 95 Thesis on the door of Wittenberg. Yep. So, just for everybody to remember. Yeah. You know, There's little, another holiday, too. They, be, be if tough. you're Protestant, you should know about that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that as well. Anyway. Okay, so this movie, again, is... <laughs> It's going to be a wake-up call for some people is what you're saying. Uh, oh, it's Dave. It's it's so well done, and it highlights just the, the fiscal condition of the country. It, it, I mentioned the former Comptroller General of the United States for people just tuning in. David M. Walker, he's basically the CPA of the United States. He took one look at the books. He was under He worked under Clinton and Bush, supposedly nonpartisan. He quit his job. He wrote a book, starts crisscrossing the country, trying to raise the alarm – the sounding the alarm to anybody and everybody that would listen. He goes on to NPR, talk about his book, to talk about the problem. He says, he tells the host, I can give you one four-letter word that proves that tax rates will have to double. And there are people who are calling in, and the, the guests can find it out. Uh, one guy says, uh, I had a guy one time in a class say, health. H e a l. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's a few. That's more than four letters. Yeah. So, but you sure but, it wasn't Maxine Waters? <laughs> so seriously, <laughs> it, the the four letter word is math, and it doesn't matter, listeners of the Dave Ellswick Show. It does not matter what the future president or Congress is. They're going to inherit a math problem. Yep. We've already dug this hole. You either choose to. Borrow today and postpone the tax, or ta- and that's what we've done to the tune of $21 trillion. That doesn't even account for the hundreds of trillions of dollars of unfunded liabilities that if we were doing the books like every other country, Dave, 250 economists have said it's insanity the way we do our books. If we were disclosing and doing our accounting like every other country, we would be disclosing over $200 trillion. Because they don't talk about things like Social Security and – Things of that nature. That's right. Speaking of Social Security, can anybody tell me, Dave, maybe you can tell me the year in which Social Security was invented. It was the linchpin of the New Deal under FDR. Yeah, FDR. It's mm-hmm. going to be sometime in the late 30s, I it would say. It's 1935. Okay, so, middle so, 30s. Yep. So they rolled out Social Security in 1935, and when Social Security first started out, just take a guess how many workers were putting in it, paying into the program for every one person who was taking money like, out. What, what do you like, think the ratio was? It's like, I don't know, 35, 36 to 1? It was 42 to 1, Dave. Okay. All right. So I knew it was a lot. Second question. What was the earliest you could draw Social Security way back then when it came out? Oh, wow. Let me think now. Best guess. Just take your it's best a, guess. Okay. Uh, 55. 65. Okay, sixty-five. So, yeah, 65. That just changed recently. Yeah. So what? What? Well, yeah. They they scaled it back to sixty-two. Now, anybody want to take a stab at what the average life expectancy was in nineteen thirty-five? Yeah, sixty-five retirement. I would say probably sixty is what they figure you die at. Sixty-two, Dave. There you go. Yeah. They didn't even anticipate that the average person would live long enough to even draw. Social Security. Yeah, they looked at the actuary charts. Believe oh, yeah. me, they These checked all that are, out. They're smart, so they're like odds makers in Vegas. The actuaries. <laughs> so if you house always wins, brother. If you're lucky enough to make it to 65, how long do you think you drew Social Security before you tipped over dead? If you made it to 65, mm. four years. 
six two years 67 two years yeah that was on average wow so in summary think about this Amazing. And those of you listening when social security first started out you had all these people putting money in and it was very few people taking money out That's so it was correct. really just insurance against living too long but what it's morphed into dave if you start taking at 62 and the average life expectancy let's say is 85 you're over 20 this is morphed into a government pension yes that's true it, it, so it's it's entirely different, and now that the, the the numbers going forward, what do you think the ratio is here? What do you think the ratio? Take a guess. We're pretty close to two to one. It, that's what we're approaching in the next ten years. So if you're asked to yourself today how many workers are putting into the Social Security system, it's about three to one, Dave. In ten years, it's going to be closer to two to one. Why? What was the what was we had of course the uh it was walter concrete called them the the greatest generation then there was the silent generation mm-hmm. then there was this big anomaly statistic the anomaly baby that came along and i'm part of it right and they did something at an unprecedented rate that no one has ever done before what what was that uh we got older we lived well, no, longer what did the ba- what did the what excuse me what did their parents the the silent generation my parent or my parents are baby boomers but their generation the silent generation what did they they had a lot of kids. That's right. Thank you for the tasteful way in which you put that. <laughs> they procreated at an unprecedented rate. So we have 78 million baby boomers, Dave, that are uh, that are retiring at a and at I'm an just accelerating in, pace. I'm in the last third, so there's still a lot of us out there that haven't even hit the part that's going to bother the government. At, at over 10,000 a day. Yeah. So some people call it the silver tsunami. And now we, <laughs> but now we got the millennials, which oh, yeah. is another right. huge group that that's right. like is bigger than the baby boomer right. generation. You're, you're right. So this is a huge problem, and so the the social security never really intended to to be. Uh, this is just social security. Now we're not talking about forget Medicare, Medicaid, yep. and if we continue on this trajectory for every, again, we don't have to double taxes, but for every year we don't double taxes, we're going to hit we're going to hit a, a number in the not too dear. Uh, future, not too distant future, where the budget will be squeezed out by interest only. So taxes are going to go up. They have to. So the question is, do you just ignore this freight train? If you've got a 401k, an IRA, that's what I'm saying. You've got to take these specific steps. Uh, and this is where this one-time screening comes in. It's a full-length documentary. Uh, it was uh, The tax train is coming. Uh, the Power of Zero was put out by my good friend, Dave, uh, excuse me, David McKnight. I interviewed him two or three weeks ago here on this station. Uh, and it's going to air Thursday, one time showing, November the 29th, right here in Little Rock, UA Breckenridge. And just before I mentioned, I walked in the studio, I snagged 10 tickets. We've already gotten some calls just for the listeners on this show today. This is an eye-opening film. It's going to reveal the devastating impact taxes can have on your retirement. What are some of the things they cover about? Not only the fiscal condition, but what are some of the hidden opportunities within the Trump tax plan mm-hmm. over the next six years while taxes are still on sale? There's some surprisingly simple strategies, legal strategies, that could help you save a small fortune in taxes on your IRA, your 401k. Here's the big one, Dave. A lot of people don't know that if they're not careful, they'll find up to 85% of their Social Security being subject to taxes. Now, if you have, if, 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 if you're in the, the twenty, th- if that's in the that's the third peg of your three peg the leg stool, stool, right? It, well, it's <laughs> that's going to hurt you. If what they're going to do too, let's say you're in the twenty two percent tax bracket, they're going to take, let's say eighty five percent of your social securities, let's say twenty thousand, they're going to dump that on top of your t- marginal tax rate, the top rate, 
And what's 20% of uh, 20,000? That's four, let's say four to five thousand dollars you have to now pull out just to compensate to pay the government on your social security benefits. Well, how do you plug the hole if you need that money? What do you got to do? You got to pull out another five thousand dollars. And Dave, I've run the numbers a hundred times in a hundred different ways, and I can tell you, you're going to run out of uh, you're going to run out of your income five to seven years faster if your social security is taxed. So part of what we show people is that we show them how to get into the zero percent tax bracket. I showed that, and we're not saying you do it again. What is the price to get in the zero percent tax bracket in retirement? It's you got to be willing to pay the tax. But what we're arguing, we're not saying you don't pay the tax. We're saying what taxes are on sale. Yeah, when do you pay the tax? When do you pay the tax? Because the tax train is coming. And so this is what this article I wrote in the Healthcare Journal. It talks about the different strategies. What we show people, there's four, there's three different buckets, Dave. I don't know. There's hundreds of thousands of different investments out there. But how's this for easy? There's basically three ways they can be held. Taxable. That's your taxed annually. Mm-hmm. How do you know if it's taxable? If it's in the bank or a brokerage account, you get a little love letter from the IRS. It's called a 1099. So they every year, if you made $1, the government wants to tax you. And if we're going to run up a break, we can pick this yeah, up after the let's break. Let's hold on. So, let's hold on. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Our guest, of course, is David Lucas. I love having him on. Yeah, it's a little, it, it's a little bit. Uh, scary some of the things that he has to say but better to know the truth and know some ways to to deal with it to not know the truth and get blindsided you don't want to be it. like a, a an ostrich and stick your head in the sand you yeah know, you're in the truck pay. kitchen all that's yeah. left is your head stuck in the sand all right we'll take a break here on the dave elswick show 101.1 fm the answer all right we are back to four minutes left for the whole show? It's For the whole show. We're almost fun. done. We're yeah, almost well. completely finished here. I, I know that you want to make some specific uh, statements to the folks, so I'm just going to turn it over to you. The bottom line, Go if ahead. I could surmise it, and I think this would ring true with a lot of your listeners, Dave. I don't know how else to put this. Uncle Sam's licking his chops right now. I, I promise you he can't wait to tax you when you retire. How much money is sitting there for his taking? Fourteen plus trillion dollars. It's low hanging fruit. Uh he could tax you at every turn. Taxes on your IRA, taxes on your four hundred one K, your pension other retirement accounts, taxes on your investment accounts. We talked about before the break, taxes on your social security. Up to eighty five percent of your social security can be subject to taxation. It could be a field day for the government. Unless you take specific actions, steps to defend yourself uh, right now. And that's why I'm inviting listeners today on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1, The Answer, this exclusive one-time screening. It's a full-length documentary. It's called The Tax Train is Coming, The Power of Zero. It happens on Thursday, November the 29th, right here on Little Rock, UA Breckenridge Stadium 12. And just for the listeners today, Dave, like I said, I snagged. I think there's just a few tickets left. I snagged 10 as I went out the door. This is an eye-opening film. It's going to talk about the devastating, really covers the devastating impact of taxes they can have on retirement, on your retirement. There's a lot of CPAs, the the governor of Utah, congressmen, a lot of heavy-hitting names in this thing. It's a really well-produced is, documentary. Is Stephen Moore in it? No, I don't believe so, but he could. Stephen Moore, ring, uh, come on, help me out here. Stephen Moore, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. He was with Trump here. He helped him devise the tax cut. I, I'm not sure. But Great guy. There's a there's a tremendous amount of people. Uh, you'll recognize a lot of the names uh, in this documentary. 
this eye-opening documentary, it's going to reveal. It talks about like the Trump tax plan, what could be a financial windfall, the surprisingly simple yet legal strategies that could help you save a small fortune in taxes on your IRA, 401k, and your other retirement accounts, plus how you could avoid or eliminate or minimize up to 85% of taxes on your Social Security. This is strictly an educational event, so we ask you leave your wallet and your purse. There's nothing to sell. Uh, this is a special event. Again, it happens just one night only. There's We're selling it fast. we got 90 seats. This is exclusive private screening. I'll be there. I'll speak at the beginning for about five minutes, five, ten minutes, uh, just a question and answer at the end. Uh, it happens just one time, November the 29th at 6.30 p.m., UA Breckenridge. To get your hands on the t- the tickets, call if if you, you I said earlier five hundred thousand. If you say yeah, I'm on the line, uh, call us. Well, Lindsay will talk to you and we'll determine if it's a good fit. We also have some other tickets, but we've reserved some because the more you've saved, the bigger tax tumor, the massive problem you have that's bearing down on you. I like how you put a tax tumor. It's a tax tumor, and if you don't cut it out, it's going to grow and grow like it a metastasize. And it's it is a, so. The, what we're just saying is that, that we want people to be aware of the, this problem. That to get to call to reserve your ticket, the upcoming documentary 501-653-6690. Again, that number is 501-653-6690. One more time with feeling 501-653. 6690. You can also go on over to davidlucasfinancial.com. You can see more, uh, watch the uh, watch the trailer. This is an exciting event. I've watched it. I did a private screening with David McKnight. He shared it with a handful of people. He's been, he wrote The Power of Zero. A lot of, uh, it's just a great, great documentary. You've got to take action to get in the 0% tax bracket or minimize these taxes as much as you can legally. No one is obligated to pay one red cent more than they have to. All right. Give us that phone number again. 501-653-6690. And all of you have been watching on Facebook. That's good for you as well. Think about that. that. That's right. Of course, be in the area. You don't want to drive from uh, Peru Yeah. Uh, for to watch it. David, thanks so much for coming it in. It was a real pleasure, as always, Dave. All Enjoy right. seeing you. Coming up tomorrow, J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, and the female power panel all on your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Have a great evening. I'll see you at 2. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.